Oh, hi, podcast listeners. There's many ways you can listen to The Real Nerds Podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can also subscribe on Stitcher Radio. You want to send us a Twitter message? You can do that. It's so easy, at Real Nerds. Like us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com, where there will be a lot of articles for you to not only read, but to listen to our previous shows. Do you like your stories told through pictures? Then you can also follow us at Real Nerds on Instagram. You can also call us, 720-6Nerds5. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Hey, this is Adventure Lounge. My name's Jagger. And I'm Zach. And we're on Real Nerds. Come check out the awesome crossover episode. This is Real Nerds Podcast, and we love movies. We are unofficially the official podcast of Denver Pop Culture Con 2020 Thanksgiving Edition and beyond. We actually have a full house of every single real nerd on this episode. Yikes. Thank you, Zoom. We're with Brad and James yeah. and Corinne and Henry. I didn't forget you this time. And Zach. Yeah. Well, I changed my layout, so it's no longer like a band. It's now like the Brady Bunch. So yeah, that's the yeah. way to do it. I would love Alice to pop up in the middle out of this. <laughs> that would be fun. That what's be what's fun. crazy is that we're all here and it's not a film explosion. <laughs> it no. is not a film explosion. Speaking of film explosion, film explosion 1990 is happening next week because um, Colorado has actually, you know, lifted most of the restrictions of gatherings. Um, still, I think takeout food is don't roll your eyes at me, Corinne. They have. Um, takeout food is, I think, still going until the 25th of May. And um, I'm going to listen door are... handles and see you guys next Sunday. Nice. <laughs> Do it. Well, I just read uh, on the Denver Post that Colorado only has a little over 400 people in the hospital right now for coronavirus, which is the lowest total since the beginning of March. So, And we don't like being in, the, in behind. So, so we're going to really make sure that we just try to push <laughs> that number forward, really try to catch up with everybody else. We want to be in the pack. We don't have to be a first. We just want to be with everybody else. Sorry, fuckers. I've already got that title taken. (laughs) (laughs) Have they said when they're going to open New York yet, Henry? (laughs) No. November. We're too busy dying to open. Wow. Well, actually, I I went to the CDC. You guys are kind of crashing right now, too, on your COVID cases. I mean, yeah. Because everyone's died. (laughs) Because everyone's dead. (laughs) It's not like we're improving. It's just getting so much worse. Oh, God. It's just just so depressing to start. Oh, boy. But, But, yeah, Ryan, you're still restricted. You can't have a gathering of 10 or more people. Yeah, I know. That's what I said. I said large gatherings. Right. So 10 people. Yeah, but you said we're coming out of it, and I don't think that we are because, like, all the events for the summer are starting to cancel. Oh, yeah. Oh, all my events are already canceled. I was supposed to see the Watkins Family Hour this weekend. It's not going to happen. I was supposed to see Bare Naked Ladies in June. Oh, no way. I mean, you still didn't invite me. <laughs> I was supposed to streak across a football game. It's not going to happen this fall at all. Not at all. Not even close. I mean, uh, the next step up might be like, no, you know, no more than like 30 people or no more than 50 people, but it's yeah, probably yeah. not going to be uh, still, than that Still technically coming out of it because we're not longer sheltered at home. 
Um, but no, it's right. I mean, I don't know when it's going to actually be huge gatherings again, but yeah. But I mean, but Disney confirmed us. that they're going to release Mulan on July 24th this week in theaters. So, man, there's more high water. Mulan will prevail. Yes. <laughs> well, she's you know, going to cut coronavirus in half. <laughs> and F, you know, Christopher Nolan's tenant, we're going to see Russell Crowe unhinged is the first movie of the summer. That was the oh first God. poster I saw that actually had it coming to theaters on the poster. <laughs> like, I'm really excited. So. And then you watch the trailer and you go, hmm, it doesn't look that great, but at least I get to go see it in a theater, I guess. <laughs> Wait, is that coming out the same weekend as Tenet? No, it comes out July 1st. Oh. <clears throat> yeah, so it would be the testing ground. Yeah, <laughs> well, I, I think... Unhinged. <laughs> I, I think the middle of June, they're going to start showing... Uh, legacy titles yeah so we'll and see hopefully they'll open up the drive-in uh fairly soon which that would oh be. they're making a huge oh, comeback there's i was that reading was, a, was on variety there's a movie called the wretched which is some low budget horror film that's making a lot of money yeah it's the only theater they're showing in drive-ins right now yeah <sighs> they were playing at that um in one of the there was an la drive-in that opened up and my friends went to it and it was that was the wretched was playing and i think swallow is playing in another one the, um the movie that James um, Lee Wannell was recommending all over Facebook. Cool. Um, yeah. At a holiday twin in uh, Fort Collins is open, but because the 88 drive-ins in Adams County, they're subject to the tri-county health organization's mm. rules. Yeah. Oh, and even if the state opened up, unless they say so, they can't. So what's the Fort Collins one showing? Do you know? No idea. My, my uh, brother me that it's open. So I'm, I'm tempted to go up to Fort Collins. <laughs> I was going to say, it's, it's showing about an hour and a half drive to get there and an hour and a half drive to get back. Worth it. Okay. Let's talk about it. Yeah. I'm going to use the internet to find out. But if, uh, the point being, if everybody's patient and hangs in there, yeah. we'll get out of this. And, uh, um, looks like Onward and Call of the Wild. Hey, they've got two screens so they can show four movies. So it's Onward and Call the Wild on one and Invisible Man and Bad Boys oh, for life on the other. Fun. Yeah. yeah, that's dope. <laughs> James is going right now. <laughs> <laughs> he really, really wants to see Call the Wild, Ryan. He heard our he record. Should. It's a good movie. It's not it bad. Is. Yeah. Well, if, I, if, I, if I watch it but I squint the whole time, will it be okay? It's so yeah, the CG is not that great, but oh. Harrison Ford is great in it. It takes. I, I mean, I knew both those things going in. <laughs> it's it's not trying to throw Jack London under the bus. It's it's it takes itself seriously, and you can admire it for that. Could you imagine if oh. fucking a film came out and its goal was to throw Jack London under the bus? <laughs> that would be a very yeah. specific goal <laughs> mission that I. <laughs> My Take that League of Extraordinary Gentlemen too. Yeah, I think the movie looks great. My only problem is the fact that the dog is played by Jar Jar Binks in a dog costume. <laughs> that is really unsettling. It's uh, not that. That's it's not that atrocious. It's not. Do you prefer that they catsify it, or it's just like a human in like a dog suit with CGI? I think that's what they did. I mean, <laughs> the the dog, at least in the trailer, mugs for the camera, like. It's, they didn't even do that in Homeward Bound. And I know, because I just rewatched oh, Homeward yeah. Bound. Oh, I've seen Homeward Bound 1 and 2 probably 15 times each since... Uh, since the, Disney Plus since, turned on? No, since Kellen's been stuck at home. 
Oh, because he wow. loves dog movies. Like, oh, he loves like Call of the Golden Retriever. <laughs> yeah, so he loved Call of the Wild, and if there's a dog in it, and there there's an adventure, Kellen's on board. Has he seen Airbud? Oh no! Do, don't go down that path. Next thing you know, you're watching Space Buddies, and your life is over. Just look there. Just yeah, tell him. Tell him, tell him there's that. only one Airbud movie. Just watch the first one. Don't tell him about any of the other I, ones. I wouldn't. I wouldn't take the risk. This is like watching a <laughs> Beethoven movie. The next thing you know, you watched one of those. <laughs> then suddenly you're going down the whole Brian Levant <laughs> filmography, and then you're just down <sighs> a rabbit hole that nobody wants. It's uh, a gateway film that no one should experience. <laughs> Has he watched Homeward Bound? Yes. Oh, wow. <laughs> we listening to us for the last 10 minutes. <laughs> we were I literally see. just talking about that. Uh, Ryan said Kellen's seen it like 15 times already. Yeah. Number one and two. Yeah. You know. uh, the, the Incredible Journey? Uh, what, uh, Isn't no. that the first one? That's the first one. That's the original I, one. Yeah, that's the original. I just know it was Homeward oh, Bound, right, and then right. Homeward Bound, the airport is what Kellen calls it. <laughs> <laughs> Boston, San Francisco, is the airport. Yeah, because you're at the airport. Um, in the airport. Mm. That's really great. Oh man. So uh, <laughs> what this is doing? a long introduction to say that uh, every week we see a new movie, except when we're uh, stuck in quarantine. And this week we saw True Lies as a recommendation from Henry because last week we did Last Action Hero and we had a special guest on. So thanks, Steve, for coming on again. He was lots of fun, and uh, you can check out that episode streaming. I'd, I'd like to put it out if uh, we're still, after Film Explosion, relegated to not being able to go to the theater. We should do MacGruber. Oh, yeah. sweet. I'm down to do MacGruber. That would be awesome. And then uh, uh, Walks Hard. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I quit. I quit. <laughs> then- I'll watch You're not on <laughs> enough anyway. <laughs> I'll watch MacGruber because at least that I haven't actually seen yet, and maybe I'll like it. Oh, um, and I'm open minded. No. Oh, you might like it. I, don't know. A, I might. This I might. Is a fucking bullshit day. <laughs> <laughs> but, but suck hard a shitty cock story is not a good movie. Wrong kid. I disagree. <laughs> I had to. I had to bring that back up because we haven't had a sucks hard. The, what do you? The how shitty, do you like the shitty cock story? What do you suck, call it, James? suck hard the shitty cock story? Yeah. <laughs> James hates that movie with a passion. It's just as funny as any other joke in that movie, but not (laughs) offensive like most of the jokes in that movie. Actually, it's a little homophobic, but there you go. (laughs) So is most of the jokes in that movie. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Anyway. Remember when he's standing there and there's just a penis on the screen next to him? (laughs) That is genius writing. (laughs) Where is that, Oscar? (laughs) I'm waiting for uh, James just to explode. God damn it. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna talk for fifteen minutes about too hot to handle. Just to get you back. <laughs> uh every week on Real Nerds, uh we have our feature movie. Again, it's true lies. We also talk about movies that are coming out, movies we've been watching, and there is some movie news starting to trickle out with um some movies starting to film in a couple weeks. I know I was reading that um France is gonna open up their borders for films. Yeah. Um and there's, uh, I guess they have to follow some rules where they have to have testing available and all that kind of stuff. I'm not sure the exact rules they have to follow, but um, yeah. slowly but surely, slowly but surely, movies will come back. Amen. There's some, um, and there's like a couple other like small incidental pieces that reflect what you were talking about in terms of reopening production and releases for that matter. 
Well, then let's get into it. This is a segment we call Real News. It's Real News! See, real, like R-E-E-L, like a movie reel. Back in my day, movies were put on reels, and each reel would project film onto a screen, not this digital USB port crap. Ryan, I love you, but I like when Samuel Jackson explains it in Gloria's Bastards better. <laughs> um, so, Samuel Jackson's in Inglorious Bastards? He narrates a couple of select sequences in it. Yeah, that's his uh, appearance in the movie. <laughs> it's really strange. I love it. Um, so um, there is some further delays of other films, but the bigger one, the biggest one I would imagine is Edgar Wright's Last Night in Soho is delayed to next year, which sucks, but... It means that uh, we can uh, anticipate it for a whole other year, and it'll be awesome. I, I love Edgar Wright. Have they um, announced what time next year? Is it going to be like Halloween next year? It's like a horror film, and I think they're planning it was in October this year. It, yeah, it's a, it's a thriller, and they're saying they're saying sometime in 2021. They didn't give a specific date. So, so like April 2021 is a lot different than October 2021. Right. Right. Well, I mean, we've been kind of learning that you can release a, a, a genre movie at any time of the year and it's not going to fully... Yeah, true, I guess, yeah. Unless it's a Halloween movie, because I want those released in October like it's fucking supposed to. Halloween Kills better not be delayed or I will be a sad person. You know, I don't think it will. I think a lot of movies that are getting delayed to next year right now is because they've pushed some of the big movies from the summer yeah. later. And now they're just, you know... Thank God we're getting Candyman. Not too long before or after. I'm excited for that movie. I don't care. How are, it could be how terrible. Is the, how was the box office returns for the new Halloween movie? For the one from 2018? Yeah. It may it it, it over exceeded its budget and killed the box office. Not to I see. Because I think like if it didn't do well enough, they might just release them on demand. They might that might no. be like one of like the first ones to go to on demand. Right? It was like number one for like three weeks in a row. It's like it. Yeah pretty remarkable and but also october is usually a dead month so that could possibly explain why it was able to dominate that long but it's a feather in blumhouse's cap speaking of blumhouse um, um it made 159 million dollars which is not bad on like domestic I it did like a 20 to 40 million dollar budget or something like that i know it's a little higher and, than blumhouse is usual and 96 million worldwide uh international so a total of 255 million dollars which is a lot for a Halloween movie. <laughs> That's a lot for a slasher movie. Yeah. I don't even think the Friday the 13th remake made that much. And that, that no, movie was like designed. Made, that one made 70, like 80 million, 70 million, something like that. I remember that it was like the top grossing movie that week. Like yeah. and it was like $40 million. And then it just. Um, and the budget for Halloween was $10 million. So oh, it's, it's, yeah. It made a lot of money. Yeah. Um, but it looks like, um, According to reports is that Blumhouse is looking to test um, the, the post-pandemic um, filming scenarios in terms of how can we get production started off again. And uh, you go, uh, there, there's an article on Slash Film. I know I don't like to normally plug them, but you should go and read it. And it explains where Jason Blum is talking about um, his detailed outlines for it. And John Sloss, who is um, uh, one of the guys from the management firm Synetic Media, and they're talking about... Uh, uh, the different legalities that would go into restarting productions, but it looks like Blumhouse is going to try to um, be at the forefront of putting films back into production. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, they're I mean, doing it through uh, uh, the studio system where they're going to have them on sound stages. 
Yeah, which would be very nice. And they're supposed to be smaller. You do haunted smaller. house stuff on that. Yeah, and it's supposed to be like smaller indie films. So it's not, and so it's right within the Blumhouse model. So it's not going to be like, well, we need a location in order to go film uh, uh, Captain Marvel 2 or whatnot. Like you can, it's actually going to promote those mid-level films that have seemed to gone to the wayside to be made again. Um, Albeit from Blumhouse, which makes them regardless of what the state of film is in the world. And um, in regards to theater releases, there's a report that... um, for Christopher Nolan's tenants to get released, at least 80% of theaters need to be open worldwide, primarily because the major markets in LA and New York are going to be essential to them recouping the budget. Plus also anything that they might incur from other things they've had to delay and stuff. So basically majority of theaters need to be opened back up for Nolan to get his wish. So uh, no, I was reading and it's two unnamed sources. So I don't know how much doc I put into that. Yeah, but I mean, it makes sense if New York and LA are like closed theater-wise. I mean, it, it takes a little chunk out of them, but I think they should still release it anyway, just to get it to get it out there. Like, and I think people are cooped up enough that they're going to want to go out and go to the movies. Oh, yeah, it's not I that expensive right. by comparison to paying twenty dollars for Scoob on VOD. So. Scoob. Which, yeah, Henry's article is really good on that. <laughs> I really liked his article. We'll probably talk a little about that later. Yeah, I'm sure we will. Um, but uh, we also sadly had some deaths um, this week. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, we lost Lynn Shelton, director of... Uh, the, her recent work has been Little Fires Everywhere, but she also directed episodes of Glow. She directed the um, independent film Hump Day and Your Sister's Sister, um, and, uh, yeah, I, I must confess, like, I think the only work of hers I've seen is her work on glow, but, uh, her film you know. sort of trust was on my film explosion last year. That's right. And that's oh, where she yeah. met Mark Marin, who she was, um, involved with up until her death and Mark Marin, I listened to the episode, um, that Mark Marin re-released her, his interview with her with a, um, addendum on her death and, um, it, he's taking it hard, obviously. <laughs> Um, but yeah, um, she, there's a lot of people outpouring a love for her, um, not just like in within the general film community, but also like female filmmakers. I know she was like a big inspiration for them getting further into their careers. So she was like basically one of the founders of Mumblecore. Yeah, so, like, everyone who got their start in Mumblecore, which is basically eighty percent of comedians right now, mm-hmm. um, like <laughs> they all know her, and so yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, she had a previously undiagnosed blood disorder. Um, so, it, and Mark Marin, uh, in his statement, was like, "She fought hard, but there was just nothing we were going to do to save her." So, she passed away at fifty-four. She will be missed. Um, and then, I, I guess the bigger shock in the room for the mainstream would be that Fred Willard passed away uh, uh, at the age of eighty-six. I did not even realize he was that old. Oh, I thought good, he was so good much for him. I thought he was yeah. older. Yeah, but um, uh, I, yeah, he was great on Modern Family the last few seasons. Dude, yeah, my dad loves him on Modern Family. Um, I don't. I can't. I, after he, like I saw the news, I, I was trying to think about it. I was like, I don't know that I could think of anybody that I would like that, that's actually similar to him. Like that say that like character that he does, which is very often like very similar, but still, it's great. Yeah. Um, like I saw I, someone I just don't. Yeah, go ahead. I saw someone tweet. Uh, 
Fred Willard was so badass, Pixar didn't even bother rendering him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's still the still the only non-rendered person in Pixar. Yeah. He's just awesome. Like, there's just so many movies he's been in where even if he's only there for five minutes, you're like, that guy just stole two scenes, you know? You know, I'm not a bit, I'm not a Christopher Guest super fan when it comes to the mockumentaries and stuff. I love Best in Show, Mighty Wind. He's great yeah. in films. Um, yeah. I probably will remember him most from Anchorman as the head of the station and that line where he's talking on the phone with the principal of his school of his kid's school and he's like, I don't know where he would have gotten a hold of German pornography. Like, <laughs> it's, yeah. It was a fun chat, um, but he was also like, my dad introduced me to this. Um, I was watching some clips of it, but he did a show called um uh fernwood tonight um which was like it's not like a local show but it was like like semi countrywide um but it was like a show that he got his started on in the 70s so um you know he his career has lasted even longer than we know know it as from like the 2000s onward where we're watching those comedies um and uh actually I'll note we didn't talk about it last week but uh Jerry Stiller passed away too <laughs> Um, yeah. so yeah, that's another comedy legend that, uh, I mean, I love Frank Costanza <laughs> with a passion. So, um, uh, but yeah, so a lot of comedy legends going. He's so influential. Like people take that Festivus gag, like seriously. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. People. Serenity like, now is a yeah. huge, like, um, he's also funny in the films that he did with his son. Um, and, uh, <laughs> He's funny in the Heartbreak Kid, which is a movie that I don't particularly love, but he's good in it. Um, so oh, yeah, man, I forgot that movie existed. It's a remake. That's yeah. probably why you forgot it existed. No, well, it's not that yeah. good. Is why you forgot. <laughs> yeah, because there's a better version that was made years ago. But um, yeah, so yeah, sad, sad week for comedy in in three different quadrants. So. <laughs> um, anyway, that's. Uh, news except for this one thing ryan you and i and i think pretty much everybody else in here we're not fans of scarface from um oh ryan de palma right i don't no. mind it i mean okay. it's a film yeah it's a film right? it's the one with al pacino right yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck that um, movie. <laughs> yeah it uh influenced grand theft auto vice city which i like a lot okay well yeah uh guadagnino is gonna take on scarface and it's gonna be written by the coen brothers I'm in. Cool. Yeah, I'm in. No, 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 no. Yeah, if the Coen Brothers are going to go remake the original or just tell a story, but as long as it has, as long as it doesn't show up on like every douchey college dude's wall <laughs> poster, like I'm fine. Like that'll be great. In fact, um, if it pisses all those dudes off, yeah, fucking make that movie and yeah. make it just quite make it fucking Miller's Crossing, but just with a Cuban guy. Like do that or a Cuban woman. Yeah. Yes. Oh man, that'll really piss off those intel folks. Man, agreed. But um, yeah, I, and I like Guadagnino. I still haven't seen his Suspiria, but I do like Call Me by Your Name. Um, and but it's gonna be written by uh Joel and Ethan. Based, it's based on like rewrites. They've been trying to kick this remake around for years, so this yeah. is like one another development in this. So. We'll yeah. see if he does it. This is like the third project that he signed on for this that, week. That is <laughs> like. We'll see if they're hey. working on the Lord of the Flies remake and like fucking okay. Let's see what no, happens. Nobody I mean, should remake Lord of the Flies. We all like Piggy dies. It's fine. Like, and, and I mean, listen, hey, if if Calling by Your Name dude wants to make a fucking like super fucking gay Lord, uh, Lord of the Flies, <laughs> totally down. <laughs> 
I hated that book. <laughs> All right. All right. Sure. Um, yeah, isn't he supposed to do a sequel to Call Me By Your Name that then got shelved? Yeah, exactly. and then- no, it's not canceled. It's still fucking happening. Hey, so- hey, quarantine, quarantine makes us all really anxious to do a new project. Like, and if you're a writer, just write. <laughs> it's true. Like Ryan, Ryan convinced me that I should write the Halloween side story that I've always wanted to write. So there you go. Like, do it. Yeah, I mean, if- I mean, I've, I've. I mean, it's, I would say it's probably fair to say I've seen the most of that director. Oh, and yeah. Seeing that most of that director, I will say, I have faith in those projects that they get made. His remake of Suspiria is well done. Come on by your name is great. His other films that no one's ever heard of are also good. And so it's one of those things where it's like, if he wants to make those films fucking by all means, you'll probably do yeah. a good job. But I don't think you're going to do it. So fucking <laughs> <on>. so. <laughs> It's like uh, the other nerds in the Uncharted movie. Got You'll it. only believe it when it actually happens, right? Yeah. Or Preacher. <laughs> I've been replaying Uncharted 4, man. It's so goddamn good. It is. Uh, and all you'd have to do is just put a camera there with some real people and just make it again. Like, who gives... <laughs> why is it so hard? Why is it so goddamn hard? Well, James, you know what happened on that movie, right? They filmed one day and then it shut down for coronavirus. Well, yeah. But that's just how it goes for the uncharted movie no it's just and here's the thing it's also going to come out and it's probably going to be bad because sony doesn't know how to make movies anymore which is why they should sell to disney and then we can all go into our terrible hellscape where disney owns all of movies like tom holland's in it tom holland's amazing well here's what's going to happen is that's going to keep getting delayed until tom holland is actually old enough to play actual nathan drake (laughs) 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 Uh, yeah so does that mean Uncharted is basically the Don Quixote of video game adaptations? Yes, like nobody yeah. can make it. You can't get Orson Welles to do it or Terry Gilliam. Nobody would be able to make this movie. We got a preacher adaptation first. That we, <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> we just do. We got a Watchmen sequel series before we got right. Uncharted, and it was better than Watchmen. We we got a Halloween reboot that's great before we got Uncharted. For the record, I mean Watchmen the movie, not Watchmen the comic. I'm not trying to like fuck it. Nobody come kill me. Oh. Watchmen the comic is boring. There, I said it. You want to fight? <laughs> no, it is. You're right. It's also a masterpiece. But yeah, yeah. Damon loves and and here's what I will say that it is absolutely true. Damon Lindelof's Watchmen makes Watchmen the book better. Hundred mm. percent. It's boring. The book the show is great. God. God, watch this show. Anyways, uh, <laughs> hey, Zach, take us to the danger zone in Blu-rays this week because we got a great running gag in Blu-rays this week. Some might say the best runner in Hollywood. James some awesome. Run. Shut up, Zach. Has some awesome 4K Blu-rays that um, there'll be brighter days instead of thunder. And... Will survive any war of, of the, the worlds world. <laughs> that will blossom like a bag. Uh, 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 something about a volleyball. Something yes. About- DVD releases and Blu-rays. Have you seen the tabletop game for Top Gun? I really want to get it because you can what? either do yeah, so you can either do like jet fighters or the other side of the the game is volleyball. That is 100% true. Volleyball? Is Wilson in the movie? (laughs) 
Uh, I just I just learned from you now that there's a tabletop Top Gun game. I had no idea. That man. sounds. I always want to get worse. it, but then I'm like, it's a Top Gun tabletop game. I don't know if I want it. <laughs> that that just that sounds more interesting somehow than the Thing tabletop game, which looks awesome. Well, I got uh, the uh, horrified one, which is Universal Monsters one, and Laura and I played. It's really fun. Ooh, game night. Yeah. Um, anyway, yes, we're getting a slew. Well, not a slew. Three cool Tom Cruise movies um, out on uh, 4K. You can get Top Gun in 4K, Days of Thunder in 4K, mm. and War of the Worlds in 4K. Hey, War of the Worlds. You can get Days of Thunder. <laughs> Just might not want to. Okay, fair. Days of Thunder film that we need on 4K. Like, let's so, see. I would argue that the the racing scenes by Tony Scott are really great, and they're probably pretty great in 4K. I was just gonna say the only reason to buy the movie in 4K is Tony Scott. Yeah, like, well, yeah, because you know that exists, but the Last Action Hero 4K doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Well, not Tony Scott. Which would you rather have, yeah. Ryan? Um, I oh, I definitely have Last Action Hero in 4K than yeah. Days of okay. Thunder. But here's the thing with Days of Thunder: I think if you're in the right mood for Days of Thunder, it's pretty fun. But you have to really want to see Tom Cruise randomly show up on a racetrack on a motorcycle and then school everybody on how to race NASCAR. Yeah, there's a unlike all the other racing movies we've gotten recently, you probably need to like already think that racing is cool when the movie starts (laughs) to really love that movie. Or if you watch it like I do, you can watch it and be like, oh, this is Talladega Nights that took itself seriously. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a lot of them too. So. And maybe the worst character name ever, Cole Trickle. Just saying. <laughs> you, know, you know what I recommend for all of you? is to, There's a, there's a uh, Consequence of Sound podcast where Quentin Tarantino talks about why Tony Scott is an underrated uh, master, master craftsman of uh, oh. directing. I mean, have you seen freaking Top Gun? That movie's awesome. Top Gun's great. Um, I mean, True Romance, obviously, he's mm-hmm. got that attachment to it. But he talked about Unstoppable, which I wrote. That, I that, loved that podcast. Is awesome. It is. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, their conversation. Oh yeah, like yeah, I it like, immediately made me want to go watch Unstoppable again. And I saw that in theaters and thought, all right. Yeah, it, <laughs> it, it, but it's it, not as awesome as this podcast, right? No, 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 no podcast no. is. Of course, it, it, that one almost convinced me that King of New York might have made my list. It didn't, but I, I do like King of New York, and his explanation of it is pretty remarkable. But mm. we're also getting on 4K the Blues Brothers. Hey, yeah, that's pretty neat. Right on. Yeah, did not expect that to come out in 4K at all. Um, and then um, amongst the new releases, Sonic the Hedgehog coming out in 4K and Blu-ray. Hey, hey, that movie's pretty all right that's you know i'll I'll, t- I'll say it right now that movie surprised me the most this year because so kellen you know watches nickelodeon and disney constantly yeah so sometimes we have it on hulu so he can watch you know whatever paw patrol or whatever and hulu shows the same commercial over and over and over and before sonic came out go it was always sonic the hedgehog gotta go fast and so it was the first movie I can remember Kellen telling me that he wanted to go see in theaters and he loved it. It's, and I have to admit it, it was better than I thought it was going to be. I like yeah. Jim Carrey in it. it. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's okay. okay. Yeah. I was fully expecting that James Marston and Jim Carrey would be nominated for Oscars this year. If COVID they might. <laughs> yeah. All right. Whenever it was released in theaters, it's going to be fucking wins. So. It, yeah, yep. I think it was well, the they, last thing I saw in theaters before the world ended. 
uh, and anyway, also um, something that was also in theaters before everything went down. Onward is coming in uh, out to 4K, um, yeah. but that's also been available for a long ass time now um, on uh, Disney Plus. Uh, that's okay. I'll still buy it. Warner Archives putting out Selena uh, with Jennifer Lopez, which I've never seen before. Uh, but yeah, that's all right. Um, Her story is sad. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. The, the uh, end sucks. Yeah. In French, I'd like it better. <laughs> the French adaptation of a Mexican American singer. <laughs> Love it. Let, let me ask you, uh, uh, Henry. Would you like a movie like Danger Diabolic? I think I've seen that. Oh, you probably have if you watched Mr. Science Theater 3000. If you haven't, you might have just watched it randomly. Either way, Shout Factory is putting it out um, as part of their uh, many different releases. Uh, it's coming out the Blu-ray. That's an interesting movie to um, release. It's by Mario Bava, so it's got credibility, but it, it is a good Mystery Science Theater episode. So. That poster is dope. Yes, it is. Yeah. It's very I love it. I, yeah. I like Mario Bava, too. The is movie it- <laughs> there's a there's a Romulan who's holding a naked woman who's t- who's like completely covered in money, and then he's pushing a gun through her hair so he can Ooh. shoot at you. Yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, totally ridiculous. Brynn, you're gonna love that. Factory's uh, also putting out a collector's edition of the complete series of The Good Place. Um, you got that on uh, on your hold card or whatever. I don't. I should get it though. Yeah, yeah, good. Totally. Probably the third yeah. best show out there. You should always support your TV shows on uh, when they come out on physical copies because you never know when they're going to take them off streaming. It's very true. We'll talk about that later. Mm-hmm. Screen Factory's got Evil of Frankenstein with Peter Cushing. Ryan, do you have that? Wait, which one is it? I'm sorry. Uh, it's a evil of Frankenstein. No, um, that's that's an old Hammer film. Um, yeah. So uh, I do like some Hammer movies, but they're really slow moving sometimes, and uh, those ones usually aren't pre ordered that much, so they usually stay at about thirty dollars, and that's a huge uh, commitment to a movie that could be just okay and is very slow moving. If you charge me thirty dollars for Days of Thunder, I probably would. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would. I definitely. I mean, I think actually Days of Thunder four K is only nineteen dollars. That's a great deal for a four K. Yeah. Also well, I mean, I I only got Top Gun coming, but you know. Well, for all us Thundy heads out there, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do that. I'm going to get Days of Thunder in four K at some point, and I'm going to hashtag Thundy heads. There we go. I think Thunderheads, like Dunderheads. <laughs> yes. Thunderheads is more appropriate. <laughs> and then Paramount Class is putting out Flashdance with a with, like a neat cover for it. So again, if you've never watched Flashdance and you want a pretty decent transfer of it, this is probably the best way to go. Hello? Yeah, hey. Zach, we we lost you a little bit there. Go ahead. Okay, uh, Kino Lobor is also. I think this is a reissue of the Pink Panther cartoon collection. Or Ryan, did they not box them previously? No, they had it. So they're putting all six of them together now, instead of you have and have to buy them separately. Oh, that's, that's a smart cool. idea. They they probably should have done that before, but <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, Criterion. 
is putting out Handle Dance, which features Maureen O'Hara and Lucille Ball from 1940. You can uh, you can uh, mm. watch some Lucille Ball before before she yes before that. Uh, <laughs> I love I love Lucy, but there's a period before that, right. and then after that. <laughs> I, I I that's a show that I will love as uh, it got me solely into old timey television. It was just that watching her get into misadventures. Um, I did a fourth grade book report on her biography. Uh, and then last but not least, Sony Pictures is putting out American Madness from 1932. Uh, looks like it's a Depression era film. I've never seen it before, but it is a Frank Capra film. But it also has Roy William Neal attached as the director. So I think this is my, might be a situation where uh, somebody up the rest of the production. Oh, and I guess uh, if you like Emma, Emma is coming out to Blu-ray. Um, Corinne, you said you didn't like Emma, right? No, I mean, well, it's complicated. Um, it's a good movie, but just in terms of like as an adaptation, it's a lesser adaptation than some of the other ones I've seen. So it felt like I mean, it's worth seeing, definitely. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I liked it probably more than you did, but like, because uh, it's my number two of the year. I'm mean, not really saying much, but um, it's my number two of the year. I feel like the issue that I had with it was that it was trying too hard to kind of be in the same style as the favorite, but it didn't want to commit to it. And so it kind of like was staying in between being like, are we going to be austin or are we going to be kind of like meta and that kind of thing? <laughs> and so like, I haven't I, seen the favorite, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, like, it's, like, it's like that era of like romance or whatever. And they're like, but it's actually sassy, modern. <laughs> like, let's fuck it. One of the other, please. Like, I want you to review my Victorian era movies, and I just want it. It's sassy. It's modern. That's all I want. Article series. I'm fucking. I'm not doing much. So. <laughs> yeah, that should be your next article series. Oh my it's sassy, gosh! It's modern. I have lots of recommendations for you if that's the case. <laughs> Ryan, I lied. There are two. One is the way back. It came out in theater a little bit before the shutdown. I want to get, I know it's going to make me cry, so I'm going to kind of just waiting. Last release, Brian, is the one that has befuddled us the most, which is 1933's Alice in Wonderland starring Cary Grant. <laughs> you don't have it on pre-order. I know you don't, because we've no. talked about this long enough. No, well, it's not even <laughs> Cary Grant. Cary Grant, Grant's wearing the Mock Turtle costume. It was Cary yeah, and Gary Cooper is wearing a costume too. It's not really them. Yeah, it this this is a movie that Ryan and I have been trying to puzzle out of all the things you could least give a trans give a comp. Why this? And the yeah. only reason that I think of is because Lewis Carroll does still have a fandom out there. But I, I think I don't it's think trippy enough where people might watch it. But I yeah. think it's garbage. That, that's true. Marijuana is a thing. Fucking college students, I'll tell you right goddamn now, I'm looking at pictures of this, of whatever this nightmare is. College students are going to fucking love this. Did you type in Carrie, type in Carrie Grant and see what he's, his costume what? is in it? Is he the turtle that has a horse head? Yes. Oh my fucking yep. god. <laughs> yep, that's Carrie Grant, one of the most handsomest dudes ever they put in a full body costume. Hey, Ryan. Ryan, you realize we were just we were just the meanest film professors on the planet just now by introducing Henry to this. <laughs> Jeez. Like, how dare how dare we? He, he won't believe in cinema anymore. 
Uh, and that's Blu-rays. <laughs> awesome. We watch things throughout the week in a segment we call What You've Been Watching. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. And according to my Brady Bunch uh, grid here, Brad, what did you watch this week? Oh, uh, what did I watch this week? I watched a movie and a TV show. Did I watch a movie? No, I watched a TV show. Um, my uh, Ninja Turtles 2012 DVDs finally showed up. Uh, so nice. I, I watched the first season, and I'm a little bit into the second season. And I really regret not getting into that show earlier because it is a lot of fun, a lot like uh, Rise of the TMNT is. Um, and there's a lot of fun Easter eggs, uh, to the history of Ninja Turtles inserted, uh, very quietly in certain places. And there's little back to the future nods, uh, that says the writers are fans of back to the future that, uh, they'll, they'll appropriate lines from those movies into the show. And, uh, you know, without saying like, Hey, it's a back to the future joke. Hmm. Uh, so, so is this one just called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Yeah. Um, and what was the one you were showing us when we were talking about it where it was animated and Leonardo cut Shredder's head off? Oh, that's the 2003 show. Okay. Um, which is also just called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> I can't keep them straight, man. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this one is very uh, much influenced by the, the, the original 87 cartoon show. So they're back to Splinter being uh, Hamato Yoshi mutated oh. into a rat instead of just being a rat. Um, and, uh, the, the turtles are really good at martial arts, but they're all, like, they also, almost every episode, something they do causes other people to get mutated. So it becomes a monster of the week sort of for most of the episodes, but unlike the 87 show, it also, it combines kind of the serialized format of the 2003 show where, uh, the action in the, in the show is incredible. Uh, the episode I just watched kind of Casey and Raphael finally meet up and team up, you know, they start out as enemies and then they go through this action sequence where they chase a foot soldier, a runaway foot soldier on the subway. And just the the fighting choreography is just amazing for a, you know, a a kid's animated program. You know, it's up there with the, like the animated movie from 2007, you know, uh, like, for an episodic show, that's pretty impressive. So, awesome. um, yeah, I'm enjoying a lot of it. Uh, there's, I think, it got to six seasons, seven seasons. Um, so I've got a long way to go yet, but it's pretty, pretty interesting. And they also do some role reversals of uh, like characters that you've grown up knowing. You know, have this storyline, they you know, flip it on its head again, uh, like they did in 2003 show. Uh, one of the Big thing, like the, one of the weird things that I'm not too keen on is that uh, April is telepathic <laughs> somehow, um, and she has a dad in the show um, that's well, connected that's to cool. things. <laughs> it's just you know, I never really thought about April's parents before uh, the show brought it up. So um, yeah, and like uh, they have Krang in the show, but it's it's not you know the the it's more visually it's like the utroms from the comics but they still call them krang and they're treated more like the borg so it's more of a a hive mind collective so everybody's krang on the like krang alien side so you're the one in a shirt that says everybody is krang 
Ooh. <laughs> the problem is when Brad first said they have Krang on the or, yeah they have Krang on the show. I thought he said crying, and so then every time after that he, when he said Krang, I heard crying, and I was like, why is? I mean, I knew what he was actually saying, but in my head I was thinking like this is way funnier. <laughs> Brad is just talking about how like they got yep. fathers and people have emotions. I don't like any of this. Is this, just, this was one episode where they just all they just Everybody sit around just the crying. sewer and just cry. <laughs> For thirty minutes in front of each other, uh, I can't believe someone dropped the pizza on the ground. Exactly. <laughs> oh man, crying. there is a uh, gag in this uh this episode pizza. where Michelangelo offers somebody a pizza with like worms and dust and bugs on it. And they're like, uh, "That's an expired piece of pizza." And he's like, "I know, it's going to last forever." And then he just eats it. Did David Lynch direct that episode? <laughs> yes, it's uh, pretty good. Uh, oh, actually, the one thing I don't like about the show is Donatello has a crush on April. Nice, but Get it, it Donnie. He's, he's such a like a nerd creeper <laughs> that I'm just like I hope no kids Henry. follow his example. <laughs> Henry doing it? I wasn't watching. Just... <laughs> Avoid Donnie. Surf's up, bruh. <laughs> Great podcasting. Yeah, she talk. Do more visual stuff that people can't see, except for us. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's cool. kind of like. Please don't reward Donnie for his efforts. That's point. honestly probably a pipe dream, Brad. <laughs> Let's be real. Yeah. Remember all those shows that we would watch as kids, and they would be like, "Don't can now, kids, don't try this at home." And then, of course, you know, you're like. Oh, I want to! I want to try it now, just because you said that. <laughs> yeah, there's like like one episode he like devises a plan just to like get closer to her. I'm just like, oh god, don't do that. Like, it's a really elaborate plan. That's yeah. So just like asking her out. I mean, the Ducktales taught me it was okay to change history. So you know. So hopefully that uh that goes by the wayside as the seasons go on. But like I, I said, I, I saw, I watched one episode, like when it first came out, and they had a crossover. Like the big thing was there was a crossover <laughs> with the 1987 Turtles, and um, you know it was fun. But I was like, yeah, this thing's not for me, um, like the humor and everything. But now just watching it, like with the storyline, I'm I'm getting into it. So, uh, yeah, that's that's all I watched. Next Ooh. up on my Brady Bunch is um, Henry. Ah, hi. Um, well, I, uh, I'll get the big one out of the way. I watched Scoob. Yeah. Oh, uh, zoinks. You're supposed and... to yell it. It has an exclamation point at the end. <laughs> there you go. Where are my glasses? I can't find my glasses. I'm bummed. Okay, so we're going to get into it. But I'm bummed that never happens in the goddamn movie because fucking obviously that's supposed to happen. Um, but anyway, so I'm a pretty fucking massive Hanna-Barbera fan. Uh, watched all the cartoons growing up, have a lot of them on Blu-ray and all that kind of stuff. Big fan. Uh, real, especially big fan of Scooby-Doo. I fucking, like, in my apartment right now, fucking the live-action poster is right over there. Uh, like, big fan. So uh, I was like, new Scooby-Doo movie? Fuck yeah, let's do it. And so, but uh, I went into it, uh, and I've now watched this film twice. And, uh, <laughs> which, uh, people have told me, you know, Henry, you never rewatch films. 
I wonder why that is. And the reason why is because I save it for films I need to look at. Uh, and this is one of those films. Uh, so, Scoob, has anyone else seen it before I get into it? No, no. not yet. But I am, I am going to watch it even though yeah. what you're going to get into. So, basically, this isn't a Scooby-Doo movie. No. It's, so, basically, what Warner Brothers wants to do is they want to make a Hanover Bear Cinematic Universe for, like, kids. Which, in my mind, sounds fucking incredible. I would love that. And I think it's one of the very few things that can actually rival the same size as an MCU little thing. Where it's like, because they have such a variety of cartoons to kind of go off and make kids movies of. And of, like, different genres. I think it could work out really well. Yeah, where's my Johnny Quest movie? I would love that. Where uh, is your journey? That would be a great idea. Yeah, exactly. And they kind of get into that in this movie, which is a problem. Um, Basically, Mystery Inc. is in this film for a total of maybe less than 10 minutes, um, which is pretty What you're saying is that it's the mummy of the Hanna-Barbera universe. I mean, basically, but worse, because at least the mummy is still a mummy film. This is not a Scooby-Doo film at all. Um, basically, because, like, Mystery Inc. for less than 10 minutes, and for, I would say, a solid third to maybe, like, a half of it is all Blue Falcon, the one mm. character of Hanna-Barbera that probably no one gives a shit about. Um, and then you also have all this stuff with Dick Dastardly, which is for another time. That is not a, that is not a movie one. <laughs> we're getting into. So we're getting into that, too. And then later we get Captain Caveman, which fucking, I'm already figuring out who this Blue Falcon guy is. I don't need to suddenly get into, like, time rules and that kind of thing. <laughs> and so, there's all this different shit, and basically, whenever the crossover shit happens, it doesn't fucking work. Uh, like, I don't fucking care about Blue Falcon's issues uh, with his father, uh, because I didn't come to see that. Oh, man, another movie with a father. Well, here's the thing. The father's <laughs> not in the movie. Like, <laughs> He has issues with his father, who's not present in the fucking movie. It's so like, well, maybe that's why he has issues with his father. Listen, I have seen this film twice now. <laughs> I know that's why he has issues with his father, but that's for a Blue Falcon movie, not for a <laughs> Scooby Doo. And so all this happens. On top of that, the plot to this film is fucking ridiculous about how Scooby Doo is the key to hell, to opening the gates to hell, and that that's a what? Yes, that's the plot of this fucking Wait, 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 wait. You just started selling me. I don't that. remember that from the article. Did you put that in the article? I'm sure. Is this Good not. Omens? So you ever heard of Devil Dogs? <laughs> the plot of this movie is that it opens up and it's Mystery Inc. and it's great. The or- the first 10 minutes of this film are amazing. Of actual, like, like well-animated, well-intoned Scooby-Doo animation of, like, the origin story of them when they were kids. Amazing. It's great. Scooby-Doo talks too much. That's a side note. Scooby-Doo talks a lot in this movie, like full dialogue scenes, and it does not make sense to his character. But anyway, moving on. So we move past that. There are now adults eating and having a great time. And Velma's like, it's time to franchise Mystery Inc. Standard plot line for an adaptation of Animal Bear? That's fine. We'll move past it. And it's like, don't worry. We have our sole investor in our franchise, Simon Cow. One, Simon Cow has not been relevant in over 10 years. Dude, he is not known for financing businesses, so I don't I know why. This in the article, and so Simon Cow shows up and is like, "Here's the issue: it's you, Shaggy and Scooby." And everyone else is like, "That's not true." But Shaggy was like, "We get it," and then they quit and they leave. 
Uh, and so they leave and then are abducted by aliens, otherwise known as Blue Falcon. And Blue Falcon is like, we need to abduct you because Dick Dashley wants to kidnap you because Scooby-Doo is the key to opening the gates of hell where I accidentally left my dog. And so I can use Scooby-Doo to open the gates of hell in Greece while also abducting these three ancient Cerberus heads. Then I can open the gates of my dog back. We can fuck off, do it full time, but you will, but that'll be an issue for you. That's the plot of this. Oh, and then Blue Falcon's like, well, we need to stop Dick Dashley. I need to protect uh, Scooby-Doo because Scooby-Doo is the key to opening hell. We can't allow Dick Dashley to get the three skull heads or Scooby-Doo. That's the plot of this film. That's way too fucking complicated for a fucking kid Scooby-Doo movie. No shit. <laughs> so they wait, call is it there hell? no mystery? No! There's no fucking mystery to this so guy! So there's no bad guy that they take the mask off and they're like, Mr. Jenkins! Exactly! <laughs> and he's like, I would have gotten away with it too if it hadn't been for you meddling kids. Oh my god, you have no idea how much I was waiting for that to happen, and then it didn't, and I was so mad. Here's the thing, Dick Dastardly is a great villain. He could be a great villain for the Avengers-style movie of this franchise, which would be Wacky Racist. He would be the villain of that, obviously. We have Scooby-Doo, Fucking Blue Falcon, Captain Caveman, other franchises, they all get a car, they're on a race, Stick Dash is there, he's gonna fuck it up. So, great idea, fucking awesome. Not right now. Dick Dashley has no fucking place here. You're not a fucking, you're not trying, you're not opening a small business in a small town that we have to ruin. That's the formula of these fucking kids shows. And so it bothers me because there's no way they could, they could have pulled this off so fucking well. All of the, all the scenes where it's just Mystery Inc., perfect. All the scenes where it's just Blue Falcon, great. All this, well, some of the Decent. scenes, some of the scenes with Dick Dastardly are pretty great, and I wish we focused on that and not these stupid fucking robots that just happen to be here. Uh, all and then Cave, Cave, there was no way they could make Captain Caveman work, so that's out the window. But so anyway, yeah, I would say that, uh, yeah. I wrote an extensive article on this on my website. You can go check that out if you would really like to, but that's about it. I, I, the biggest reason why I want to still watch this movie, Henry, is because of the Captain Caveman. The moment they announced he was going to be in the movie, I'm like, how? Well, it, it's, I don't have anything against Tracy Morgan doing it. It's just yeah. that like that character is so specific to Mel Blanc's vocal annotation that I'm confused what you do to modernize that at all. <laughs> well, it's, that's because the other thing too is that it's extremely hard to follow because uh, like a lot of it has to do with the fact that like what ends up happening is that like they get into weird time paradox shit because some parts of the film they're in ancient Greece and some parts of the film they're in caveman times. And I can't like, even right now, after seeing it twice, one time doing a deep analysis viewing of this fucking film, I don't understand how the fuck we got to caveman times or anything like that. And so well, fucking, I'm, I'm totally down for fucking Captain Caveman or the Flintstones or whatever to be in this franchise. But fucking, we are already on top of a mountain of lore that we're dealing with. We do not have time to get into time travel. Um, but, but it's like I said, a lot of this is great. The animation is really in style with Hanna-Barbera and the, has the sound effects that work really well, has all that really stuff. And even the stuff where they modernize it, where they do more modern day kind of references or that kind of stuff, it actually, I think, in my opinion, works. 
there's a lot of stuff where it's like where uh, Velma starts getting into like modern day feminism and, the, and these kinds of talking points, and it works because that's something Velma would do. Uh, Fred has his moments where he's thinking about like, oh well, I the American way is the American way, and that's the best way. It's an actual Fred scene that would happen in other Fred stuff. Um, there, the issue of the film is that it has so much potential, and they're just so fucking front loading the cinematic universe in the first fucking film that none of it fucking works, which is a problem because it's the same goddamn problem that Warner Brothers had with DC films. And they're doing it again, but this time with something that I care about. <laughs> and so, like, it really bothers me. So, um, but anyway, that's Scoob. I don't know if we'll get another one of these. Henry, I appreciate that you dissected this. I, Henry, I appreciate that you dissected this film in the way that many people dissect Fellini. Like, <laughs> you, you went further than. I ever thought you could, and the article went pretty far. So, another thing about the film that I, that bothers me, I'm as I'm talking about this, I'm like going through my list of things I watch. I'm like, that's less important. I'm going to keep talking about school. Uh, but like, another issue with the film is that like they clearly lost two months of production on this film, which I imagine were all the finishing parts of the animation. So there's some stuff that looks pretty good. Like all of the main characters look pretty good. And then there's some stuff where the fucking environments of the scene look like a poorly rendered PS1 game. And it's like, <laughs> like at one point, I think that they go somewhere in the Midwest of Midwest America. And it looks like a scene out of Silent Fucking Hill, how much fog, like yellow fog there is. <laughs> uh, and so it's like, or it's like, and then, oh my God, Simon Cow does not look human in this fucking movie. I don't know, like, if you didn't tell, if he comes on, like, fucking comes into the movie, like, fucking slides in, he's like, hey, it's me. And then immediately Shaggy and Scooby go, oh my god, it's Simon Cow. If they didn't do that, I don't think I would know who this fucker is. And so, like, I don't, I can't tell any of the minor characters in this movie. It's a problem. The people, the non-cartoon characters in this movie are poor, are worse rendered than in the B movie, which came out over ten years <laughs> There's a lot fucking wrong. So it's, it, I don't know if Warner Bros. are just like, fuck it, we don't care. We'll release it anyway on VOD. It's not finished. Who gives a shit? It's Scooby Doo. These fuckers are going to buy it. And I did. So clearly they're right. But like, I don't know. It's how, was the, how was the rendering on, uh, on Blue Falcon? Not bad. All right. Can you use a complete uh, sentence? What's up? Can you state that a complete sentence? Yeah. Uh, Blue Falcon was rendered pretty well. Falcon punch! There we go. I'm waiting to do this the whole damn time. <laughs> it took you so long to draw it up. As he sits there on the bridge of the Enterprise. Look <laughs> Uh, yep. To be totally honest, Brad, when you brought that up, I just saw the headphone loud warning, and I thought you were telling me I was being too loud. But anyway, other than that, I didn't watch much. I rewatched R.I.P.D., the film with Jeff Bridges, and uh, oh, it's been a bad week. For yeah, you. I was gonna say, how many times this week did you try to hang yourself? 
You watched the whole thing? Well, it was like, it was on. Like, I went over to my girlfriend's house after, like, she was getting wrapped up with her, like, working from home day. And we turned on the TV, and it was a sci-fi channel, and RIPD was on. She was like, oh, let's watch this. I haven't seen this before. And I was like, are you sure? It's like... Sci-fi like, channel was your first mistake. Yeah, it's, it's like, are you sure? Because this isn't even, like, a movie that, like, a type of movie you like. <laughs> uh, and she was like, yeah, let's watch it. I was like, fucking okay, sure. And uh, lo and behold, it's still awful. <laughs> so it has not aged well in the past years as it's been out. And then the last thing I will talk about, because I want to talk about it with Zach, is I watched The Mule. And oh. I can't tell if this film is embarrassingly bad or the greatest film ever made. Well, would you like me to give you the definite answer? No. Um, Give me a a one-sentence answer and tell me how I'm supposed to feel about this. This movie has no idea what it wants to say. It has zero... I I feel like it's pretty clear what it wants to say. It's basically an hour and a half of fucking what's-his-face saying racist things to people and then those people being like, hey... Can you not do that? And then he will be like, "Sure." And then that's you repeat that for fucking an hour and a half. What what's what's interesting is that the way I look at the mule, and that's this is about a year removed from doing this to finish up Clint Eastwood, is that the mule? It's well, it's written by the guy who wrote Gran Torino, which I, I feel like that's a lot. Yeah, Gran Torino clearly knows what it wants to say. This film, I think. Pulls, pulls itself in a weird way where I think it really wants to talk about Clint getting old in a more reasonable way than Gran Torino, which is basically an unofficial Dirty Harry movie. And then the other part of it is, oh, we want to make Clint interesting again and youthful. The whole three-way scene in the hotel, I don't get... That's a that's scene in the middle of this movie. I don't know what that's there for other than to make the director of that movie happy with himself. Yeah, so James, I see that you're really shocked. Basically, yes. there's a scene in this movie, like three, two quarter, three third, like two thirds in or so. Yep. But basically, Clint Eastwood's at a party with the cartels, and then one of the cartel members is like, hey, that girl over there will totally sleep with you. And so he goes over there, and the two of them dance a little bit, and it's kind of in a way, softly romantic. I would, I would say it works, kind of. And then they go up to the bedroom, and they start having sex. And I'll remind you, Clint Eastwood's maybe 150 years old. And this woman <laughs> is, around, is around fucking 23. Yep. And so, like, this sex scene's about to happen. And then fucking out of nowhere, a fucking third woman enters the room and is yep. like, gee golly, let's go... These are, like, actual lines, by the way. Yeah. It's like, oh, gee golly. What's going on in here, you silly gooses? And then Clint, and the Cleese was like, Whoa? and then the, the other girl was like, Why don't you join us? We're having a really fun time. And then the third girl was like, I guess I will, you silly rascals. Henry, I just listened to you talk about uh, Scooby Doo opening a portal to hell for 35 minutes, yeah. and what you just said is the most disturbing thing I've heard all day. Oh yeah, this movie's weird. <laughs> For the record, Clint Eastwood is 89 years old. Yeah, but that's what he would take 70 years. Yeah, well, yeah, that Ryan's correct, and I'll, I will say this: that 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 scene was only eye-opening in the respect that uh, around the time that I saw that movie, I was getting into working out and getting in shape, 
And the only reason why I don't feel any body shame because I still have man boobs is because I saw Clint Eastwood shirtless in the mule. That is the only reason that I don't have any shame in my own body anymore. Um, yeah, that means, he's that, gonna turn ninety at the end of the month. And you and you know what? He'll make another movie and make me do another article. I still haven't seen Richard Jewell yet. The Mule was a film that I wish had more to say, and I don't think it. I don't think it got across what it wants to talk about without falling into indecisiveness. But I will say that that film, as far as it being directed, like from a visual standpoint, it reminded me of his older films where he lets the scenes kind of draw themselves out. There's yeah. a lot of montages to, on the road. Of the films that he's made in the 2010s, it's probably his best one. Uh, I, I mean, would argue Sully. I, like, I, I would argue Sully is better. Um, I mean, oh, look at that I, handsome man. Yeah, um, see, I don't feel shame anymore. I don't. Um, I, I, by the way, Brad, you're the one who told me to stop doing visual jokes. But I mean, the last thing I'll say about The Mule and basically everything I've watched this week is that there is a scene in it of like, that deals with like his wife's death. And it's one of the most, a very like yeah. natural, oh, look, look at that boy again. Um, but it was like, it's one of like, it's a very sad, but also kind of heartwarming and kind of beautifully morbid kind of scene. And it comes off as a very real scene, which I really yeah. like. Again. Um, so I think like there's a lot of parts to this film that I think work really well. And then there are a lot of parts of this film that really don't. Uh, and but like are still inter- but are so weirdly done that it's still kind of entertaining. It's it's uh, not un- it's not unwatchable. It's I've been, it's definitely it's, not like I've there are a lot of films like especially of Clint Eastwood's that I struggle to make it to the end. But this film kind of just kind of flew by. Yeah, and, and it, was, it was it was an enjoyable experience, even if he completely missed the mark in a majority of the scenes. Yeah, I I'll tell you I love the moments between him and Bradley Cooper in the diner. Um, oh yeah, that's the all. I mean, Bradley Cooper is a shining force in that film, better than I was expecting him to be. Yeah, he, it's it's so cool how he gave him like I I like him in American Sniper, but I like him more in this movie in terms of like a character that he's playing, primarily yeah. because it's like it's it's strange like it's it's not a character I'm expecting Bradley Cooper to be playing in a Clint Eastwood movie. In a strange bout, it really has appeared that. Like Clint Eastwood appears to be the person that can awaken the best performances out of Bradley Cooper. Oh yeah, not I was agree. Does, yeah. does does Bradley Cooper play the second girl who comes in later? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he just voices her like Rocket. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, uh, James, we're talking about the scene where you see him involved in uh, coitus or get, getting ready to do coitus. There are two other scenes where uh, somebody's spying on him from a motel room and two women are just walking out casually in these different scenes. So he's having three ways left and right because he's Clint Eastwood. Again, I, I don't I, know I, what... He's a, he's a florist at one point and then he becomes the drug dealer and then suddenly these three ways and then suddenly Bradley Cooper. It's, it's a lot of things. It's also unclear if he becomes a drug dealer accidentally <laughs> or if this is something that he just wanted to do. I think, so. I think I think in the middle of the car ride he gets it. I think he's just trying to figure out do I want to do this? But it doesn't seem like it's clear on his face because 
he's older, and I don't know if he knows how to express it as much as he used to. Is it- I will say, like, and this will be the last thing I say about this fucking movie, because we talked way too goddamn long about it. Yeah, agreed. Uh, but, like, the last thing I will say is, I have never seen a film about a deadbeat grandfather, and so it's a very interesting dynamic that I've not seen before, and I appreciate that it's a new thing. Yeah. Uh, uh, after all you guys talking about this, I, I don't want to see the mule because I think it's, it sounds like it's too hot to handle. It is. It <laughs> yeah. Is. Hey, James, what did you watch this week? Uh, <laughs> that's a perfect segue, and I'm going to not use it. Um, <laughs> uh, no, because I got to save that to the end. Like that, two mm. minutes, That's a good shit, man. Um, so I, I've seen a handful of things recently. I watched Bad Boys Three since last I was on the show, um, and that was uh, disappointing. Um, that's like the the Fast and Furious, or no, that's like the Fast and Furious of Bad Boys movies. It's just like like they, tr- it's just not. I'm not. I'm. It's fine. It's just like say what you will about Michael Bay, but only Michael Bay can make a fucking Bad Boys. Five minutes into the movie, I was like, oh god. This is not as a, good. He makes like, a cameo in the movie, so that's why he's not directing it. He wanted yeah, to act. No, it was not. It was not great. But you know, whatever. Like they was, they tried to make it a Fast and Furious movie, and whatever. Um, I also watched the first five minutes of Rambo: Last Blood, um, and I had to turn that off because there was this dumb scene where. Uh, even even though there were these awesome tunnels that I knew Rambo was going to murder everybody in, there was a scene early on where he's talking to his niece and she's like, hey, I'm going to go hang out with my friends. And Rambo says to her, uh, hey, you should... <laughs> I can't even say it. He's like, hey, you should come, like, have your friends come here. You can show them my tunnels. <laughs> and she says, no way, really? I can come show my friends your tunnels? And she's genuinely really excited about it. And at that point, I was like, fuck this i gotta go watch something great so that's when i went on to disney plus and i turned on a film called black hole um which is a uh an old film from 1979 um which you know is is a couple years after a star war came out um but looks like it was made about 15 years before a star war came out uh is there brad you got a button there called sexy sex So anyway, that he also had fuck off. With, <laughs> nothing to do with uh, with black hole. Um, black hole, uh, almost unwatchable trash. But but kind of a fun thing if you have Disney Plus and you're sitting around on a Saturday morning and you want to watch old sci-fi. Um, I remember it as a kid because the score is kind of cool but it was only like the like the main theme during the credits that's cool and then the rest of the movie it's like it's like knockoff music for music from forbidden planet where it's just like noises and chaos um so yeah i mean black hole is not 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 great black hole is basically like uh if disney made a uh, an ed wood film um <laughs> i've uh i've been watching a lot of community again because it's back on netflix and brooks has never seen it so she started watching it uh and that's still cool, cool 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 great yeah yeah me too <laughs> yeah um and on a similar note i recently learned something 
uh, about my wife, which has turned into one of my favorite things of this year. All of a sudden, she reveals the fact that she had never seen Back to the Future. Or if she'd seen it like she was a kid, she was really young, like didn't really remember it. Um, And I can tell you, so, and then it gets weirder, which is that then I find out that at some point she had seen back to the future three a number of times like it would it would it had come on tv and so she'd watched three a few times but like out of context i don't know like i was just baffled so we watched back to the future one and then like two weeks later we watched back to the future two and watching back to the future one with someone who's never seen it is one of the most fun things you could possibly do like it actually made me like as 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 um, as anxious as I am to like show Leona all the movies that I absolutely love. And like, I want to do, you know, like as soon as she is old enough that it's not a bad thing for her to see it. Like, I just want to show her everything. Right. But there's also this part of me that's like, or I could wait till she's like 14 or 15 and then show her back to the future. And like, it would be an, an amazing experience. Right. Um, Cause that's what this felt like. Like every now and then like Brooks would pause it and say something like, you know, wait, so, or she'd like kind of guess about what was going to happen next. And I was like, I was giddy. It was, it was so much fun. Um, especially for two, like there was genuinely a point where she, she paused the movie and she was a little lost. And so she starts to like ask, it was, it was when they're in evil, you know, Trump universe from the eighties. Right. And which we unfortunately now live in, but, um, she 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 stops it and she's like, wait wait. So like, Dude, so even old back. Biff Tannen looks like Trump. That is creepy. Oh yeah, go back and watch that movie now. <laughs> it's way scarier. Uh, but anyway, um, she she. <laughs> Someone said the magic word. These are way too long to be soundbite things. Seriously. Hey, Brad, Brad thank you so for that plug loud. for my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, no problem. Deposit the money <laughs> in my account. So anyway, she she pauses the movie for a second. And I was like, wait. like She's trying to figure out the timeline thing. And I just look at her. I was like, there's going to be a scene. And it was two minutes later. Mm-hmm. You know, Doc stands up the chalkboard and is drawing everything out. And she's like, oh, okay. Like, it just, And it was just... It was so much fun. Um, we're going to have to watch the third one again just because now, I mean, I, even I haven't seen it in a couple of years. Um, but that was like like a, an absolute highlight. Um, but the last thing I have on here to talk about is uh, a little show on Netflix called Too Hot to Handle, um, <laughs> which is, you know, just sort of what quarantine has been like for, for me, uh, which is, you know, Netflix first put out uh, Love is Blind, um, which was... Like, cringeworthy. Yeah, no, it was just, it was just like, it was very cringeworthy and like really, like definitely was touching those same nerves as a, as, as a flavor of love or a New York of love, any of that VH1 real just, just trash television. Um, yeah. Too hot to handle is like, like a train wreck of bad ideas that somehow becomes like a bizarrely watchable watchable piece of trash um it like it's it's frustrating at times because so here's the thing so the the premise of the film is or the show is that they put i don't actually know how many people like like six men and six women five men and five women all of whom are 
are um, extremely attractive people. And I'm putting that on quotes because they're really unattractive people, but they're, they're beautiful. They work out a lot. They're people who are, they put up, so they put like 15 people who work out a lot on the show. And, uh, and they're all people who like traditionally use uh, the swipe lefty Tinder thing, Tinder, Tinder. Um, and, and all like <laughs> don't really care about dating. Right. And they're all told that it's a, it's a, <laughs> I don't even know how they would believe this, that it's a hedonistic reality TV show that they've been signed up for. And that basically they're all going on TV to just bang for like 10 episodes. Like that's what they were apparently told if the show can be believed. Um, And then like, so there's, there's this, this like little talking lava lamp that's, that's watching them all the time that has a name. And, and it's also, it's basically like an Alexa, which I don't want to say too loud because I don't want her to wake up. Um, it's basically like there's an Alexa in every room that's like watching to see if they have sex. And so then, Big Brother. Yeah. Well, yes, but then there's also like this narrator who pops in who m- might. I, I I don't actually. Anyway, there's this narrator who pops in and just says random stuff, and they're supposed to be like funny pun jokes, but they're not funny at all. Um, but here's the most frustrating thing. So after like you know half a day or whatever they're told like oh actually the premise of the show is like you can't have sex and that there's this money at the end there's a hundred thousand dollars that uh the the more if you ever like kiss or do anything sexual with each other we're gonna take money out of the pot and you will make less money but until the end of the show you don't actually know how the money works so like every time they threaten like like it's unclear. Are they splitting the money between themselves? Are they each getting a certain amount of money? Do they each get different money? And, and the person who does things that are bad loses money, but everybody, how much money do they start with James? It's a hundred thousand dollars split 10 ways. So So 10 grand, It's basically like $10,000 to not have sex with people. Um, and then it goes down once a couple people have sex a few times. At some point, I think you're down around like two grand that anybody is making. Spoilers for the show, but some people break the rules. And how, how long does this show take place over? I think there's eight episodes. Oh, I think it's a month. Yeah, okay. I think. Well, it's, for these fucking idiots, a month without sex. It was like, probably eternity. And so, like, Rick is saying it was the whole summer. So, so maybe a couple months. Oh, go ahead. People on the show is a woman with, when, with like two year old. Oh, yes. Right. Yeah. So well, those. Okay. Sex. So, what Brooks is reminding me of is all of the sad things like that one of the people has a two year old son at home and leaves him for the entire summer so that she can go have sex on TV. Yeah. Okay. So, that part's not great. But the rest of it is really awful. Um, and in all the fun ways. Um, so it, it's it's ridiculous. What anytime here's what's great about this as a reality show. Anytime that somebody gets boring or annoying, they simply kick them off the show. Like the producers simply kick them off the show and replace them with new sexy people. <laughs> I Wait, kid, what? I kid you not. I kid you not. Uh, there's a guy that they nicknamed Jesus because he he's got long hair. Um, he he just is never attracted to any of the other contestants, and so like halfway through the show, he just voluntarily leaves, and then a boat comes in with two new sexy people. <laughs> um, this is the sh- this is why the Joe McHale show with Joe McHale should still be on, so oh he can God, make yeah. fun of this because Joe McHale like 
that show cost $15 to make each episode and was fantastic. Um, yeah, this is exactly the kind of shit that should have been on Joel McHale. Um, Does the narrator like sound like a really cool Rodney Dangerfield impersonator? Because that's the only narration I want over this mindset. No, it, it sounds like... Um, what is her name? It sounds like, and I, I haven't even looked it up. I should. It sounds like uh, the the woman who played. Hey, Brad, we can see everybody's uh, lists. Yeah. Oh. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Brad is still screen sharing. Um, <laughs> no, it sounds like um, from Archer, the the woman who does the voice for what's her name, the main character from Archer. Um, oh, gosh. yeah. You uh, know who. Um, and I'm racist because I want to say Gabrielle Union, but that's not it. Um, no, it's... Um, hold, please. It's Aisha Taylor? Yeah. Aisha uh, Taylor. Aisha Tyler. Yes. Tyler. Right. It sounds like her, but if, it's, if it is her, shame on her. Uh, <laughs> because she's naturally funnier than, than, than this, this awful thing they're making her read. Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it does not appear that it is her by looking Ryan, at her IMDb. So, Ryan, we can re-record it with you doing Rodney Dangerfield. You just have some fun. Uh, I, I cannot do Rodney Dangerfield. Nobody can do Rodney Dangerfield. Uh, anyway, <laughs> there's there's a reunion episode of Too Hot to Handle. I haven't seen it yet. but uh, So do they I'll release these all at once or is it once a week thing? No, they, re- they release them all at once so you can binge them, which is great because both this show and Love is Blind um, – well, Love is Blind would artificially create like these cliffhangers, even though it's a binge show. So you you could just watch the next five minutes of the next episode or the first five minutes of the next episode and then go to bed. Like it's just it's just bad cutting is actually what it is. Um, and then with Too Hot to Handle, uh, a lot of times it was just like like you didn't even understand what the plot like plot, but like what your motivation for watching it in general was like what the thing was that was going to happen or if they were going to, if they were supposed to learn something or whatever. So it's almost like one eight hour long, just thing that you just endure um, more than their episodes. Um, But yeah, they put them all out and then they do a a reunion episode, which it seems like for both of those, they put out like a couple weeks later um mm. and i don't know why because they filmed all of them like oh no no that's not true because they do film them after everybody's seen the show so i think that's i think that's the idea is they put it out they let everybody react because the people for love is blind in the reunion episode like half of them got absolutely shit on and they got death threats and just awful things that human beings shouldn't do mm. to other human beings um but still uh yeah i'm gonna go watch that reunion show yeah like i said john oliver was making fun of it this week I just, um, like too hot to handle. That's just mean. Like that's that's like making fun of the cripple kid. Like that's <laughs> like why would you do that? Um, leave leave these shows alone. I need them. <laughs> anyway, that's what I've been watching. Corinne, three things. I watched three things this week. So I'll just talk about the blacklist first. Get it out of the way. Oh my god. We have, <laughs> every having... week. Every week, right? Who is who's the, the last host? time you Fucking have to hear about this it? Shit. Is, is, is James Spader having sex with his daughter? <laughs> no, 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 no. So, this, hey, Upside Ryan, this is the last time you have to hear about it for like months, okay? Because this Thank was a, <laughs> this was the impromptu finale, the one that they spliced like animation and the, so they filmed half of it like, for real, like right before everything shut down. 
and then they tried to like kind of just glue everything together with animation. So anything they hadn't filmed, they got animated in this like graphic novel style and it looked okay. Sometimes it looked like a shitty video game from like the late nineties and other times it looked fine. Um, so it, as a, as an episode, Oh, I do want to mention, um, Brian Dennehy made his last, um, appearance as Liz's grandpa his character's been in a coma since the beginning of the series, or beginning of the season anyway. So he was just, like, lying in the bed, not doing anything. But he was on the episode. Um, and they kept talking about, like, how he's he he's showing signs of life. And, like, he's going to come out of the coma soon. And I'm like, I don't think he is. So RIP, Ryan Dennehy. How is, how is his character related to James Spader's character? He's not, as far as we know. Hmm. I mean, I they're, 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 really, they're just friends. There has to be some Brian, kind of relationship more from Simon. Yeah. Right. Brian Dennehy and uh, Brian Dennehy's character and James Spader's character are friends. That's about how they're related. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, there was a bunch of bullshit that happened. I felt like it was like the plot of like two episodes worth of stuff crammed into one. And the final shot... Um, so it was an animated sequence and they have Liz, she, she's at her, uh, grandpa's bedside. She's like doing this voiceover. That's super stupid. She goes upstairs on the roof and I legit thought she was about to jump off the roof, like Batman style. (laughs) Like she just like jumps off and then like, like a glider comes out from under her coat (laughs) and she just flies off into the night. But she just, I don't know, called somebody. She's like, I'm in. And, like, that's it. That's how the episode ended. It was really stupid. It was very disappointing. And I'm actually really happy to hear that I was not the only one who was disappointed in how it ended. Um, I guess people on social media were really upset with it. So I know it wasn't – they weren't planning for this to be the finale, but that's how it shook out. So – it's definitely Yay. one of the more creative ways that a show has dealt with uh, the whole situation. And so I give them props for actually doing something different and actually like committing and releasing a finale, which is more than some shows. And so I know a couple of people online were saying, like, I don't know, like, why they couldn't have just let the last, like, the previous episode have been the finale and, like, not even try to do this, like, animation thing and, like, mishmash everything together. But I didn't. And I don't even remember how the last episode ended, so I'm like, I don't know if that would have made for a good, you know, cliffhanger or whatever, but um, there were definitely a couple of scenes where it was animated, and I really, really wish it had been in person because, you know, they have, like, this really emotional scene where Red collapses because he has, like, this medical issue, (gasps) and I know, right? Oh, no, is Raymond Reddington going to (laughs) die? course not he's not gonna die james spader's Raymond gonna be on the Red- show i fucking hate his character's name anyways yes ryan you say it every time know, we talk we're about still the show talking about it <laughs> still talking about it. anyway um but yeah and it was just so weird to see it animated because it's just like a little dude just like falls over and it was i i wish it would have been done in person because it was a very emotional scene and it's like seeing those two play off each other would have been nice but this is what we got so, 
I'm, yeah, disappointed, uh, but I'll probably watch season eight whenever it comes out anyway. Is there, like, a narrative reason for it, or does the show just assume that you get it? Oh, they they actually broke the fourth wall at the very beginning. Um, so they have Liz, she's by her grandpa's bedside, and she's doing the voiceover. And then they, like, interrupt it, and they're like, that's what Liz would have said to her grandpa. And it's, like, um, Harry Lennox, the guy who plays Harold Cooper on the show, and he's like, that's what she would have said. But we had to shut down filming halfway through this episode, and then it just, like, compiles a bunch of clips of the casting crew saying, like, you know, stay home, be safe, blah, 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 blah. And then it cuts back to the action. And, yeah, it was a little jarring. Yeah, that so, sounds really jarring in the middle of an episode. Like, well, it wasn't in the middle, but it was, you know, at least in the first, what, like five minutes? Yeah. They did the cold open, and that was it, so. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the other thing, one of the other things I've been watching is I found out that 30 Rock is on Prime, and I have been binge-watching it like a motherfucker. I went through season four and season three already, I watched five through seven earlier this year, so I didn't feel like I wanted to go back and rewatch them already. So I mean, now I gotta. They're also kind of the kind of weaker whatever seasons anyway, and so. Which ones? The like seasons like five through seven anyway, and so. I don't know. I like I like the later seasons. No, I always felt like one and two were the weaker. Start the beginning, and so. But they, I forget like how many guest stars they have, and they. Maybe season three and four was kind of the peak of that because it's like every single episode there's a guest star on. And sometimes it's just kind of like maybe like a character actor, like not a big deal. But then like every probably third is like an A-lister or like a really well-known celebrity. Like there's an episode in season four where Bon Jovi shows up. Just like nice little throwaway joke and... Um, John Lithgow was on one where they were referencing Harry and the Hendersons and Alan Alda comes in to play Jack's dad. So, yeah, I love 30 Rock. Second best show of all time, in my opinion. So, great show. And then the other thing, um, I binge-watched another anime. It's a more recent anime than the ones I've been going through. This is called Kami-sama Kiss. And it's uh, shoujo, so it's more um, marketed towards teen girls. So it's kind of like more of like a rom-com kind of adventure series rather than like fighting and battles and stuff. That's shonen. Um, so like your Naruto, your Dragon Ball Z, those are shonen anime. This is shoujo. And uh, it was really good. I liked it. There are only two seasons, and they should have gotten a third because it ended on... I won't say like a cliffhanger, but there's definitely like stuff that never gets addressed. And it's like, what happened to that guy? Like he was trying to break into Yomi to steal his demon body back. So it's, if any of you have ever seen Inuyasha, it steals a lot of the things from Inuyasha of like human girl. She's in love with a demon guy who protects her. And they like kind of go back and forth between like, the real world and the spirit world or something. And there is time travel involved. So it was a cute little series and I had fun with it. I binge watched 25 episodes in 48 hours. Holy shit. (laughs) Well, it's only like 20 minute episodes. So. (laughs) 
<laughs> but oh that actually worked really well. So, and um, because they didn't get a third season, I guess they kind of had to try to wrap it up. So they did five OVAs, which I forget what OVA stands for. It's like original video animation, something like that. Anyway, um, so they basically did this like five episode arc that just wrapped up everything that, um, like backstory that we had gotten on the characters and like why this was significant earlier in the show. And then it was a nice little finale for everyone. So if anyone's interested, Kami-sama kiss. And the dub version is actually pretty good. Do you know if it's cool. Funimation or is this, does Funimation do it or is it someone else? Yeah, I think it's Funimation. Yeah. Cool. Zach? Um, I uh, watched a couple of things. Huh? My <laughs> lovely, right? Um, now I've been uh, re-upping again on Hitchcock before the um, the show's going to the family's going to end on um, August thirteenth, which is Hitch's birthday. Mm-hmm. So I've been uh, digging back in and uh, doing further research. So I rewatched uh, Family Plot, which is uh, Hitch's final film, um, and it's still a lot of fun. It's not as good, obviously, as you know the the masterpieces that we got from the master suspense but i i still have a lot of fun with the film i like watching young bruce dern do young bruce dern things uh william devane's a lot of fun in the movie um uh and barbara harris is a delight to watch even though i i feel like it's weird this time around i was like man she does not have a lot to do compared to everybody else but when she has her moments it's remarkably fun um so yeah i'd say it's a light like light watch I rewatched one of a bunch of the masterpieces this week too. Uh, amongst them was Spellbound, um, which I hadn't watched in this whole Hitch thing up until this week. I've seen it before, but I hadn't rewatched it for the series. And it, part of it's because that Blu-ray is like fifty bucks on Amazon, which is a freaking nightmare. Um, Ryan and I keep talking about how that thing needs to go back to Criterion on Blu-ray ASAP. But the movie's still fantastic. Um, Bergman's great in it. It's a great early Gregory Peck, like before he be. It's pre Atticus Finch, obviously. So he's he's kind of there's. It's almost like they're still trying to figure out exactly like where Gregory Peck Peck kind of fits. But obviously, my knowledge on him is rather limited. But you know, I I kind of wish that I had talked about Spellbound earlier in a certain respect because we talked about psychology in Hitch films, and this film is pretty much the ultimate version of the psychology in Hitchcock movies um, and that Dolly sequence, what's left of it is still awesome. Um, I rewatched strangers on a train and shadow of a doubt uh, for an episode that I recorded with Aaron and that those were a lot of fun. I really like going back to shadow of a doubt. That movie is fucking fantastic. And God damn it. Joseph Cotton still scares the shit out of me. Um, uh, I rewatched Mr. Lucky. <laughs> I re-rented it on instant because, uh, or on um Prime because I didn't want to wait to rewatch it. It's still really good, Ryan. It's it's still really good. Um, yep, it's it's pretty fantastic. I want to get the DVD, but I don't want to wait for uh, shipping and stuff. So I just was like, I'm just going to rewatch this. This is my five dollars I'm going to spend today on Amazon. Um, and uh, I rewatched uh, the first three Marx Brother films uh, from the Paramount era. Um, rewatching Animal Crackers is is a lot of fun in the respect of just watching how it functions where the brothers 
are actively trying to disrupt their entire movie. Like everybody is trying to do the plot of a movie and the goal of the Marx Brothers and especially those first five Paramount movies is to actively dismantle that at every given possible moment. And I think in Animal Crackers, they probably succeed the best because everybody's basically thrown off their game to the highest degree. Um, I still think probably Duck Soup's still the best directed of them. It's obviously because you know, Harry's directing it. Um, and then a uh, few moments later, uh, <laughs> it's funny. Um, uh, I read the thing. Uh, the thing's still great. I liked watching it from that show, the pre-release. Something I'd never noticed before in the thing. After all the times I've watched it. Uh, in the scene, opening scene where they're hunting down the dog, there's a shot, obviously, of the oil drums that are outside their encampment. And I never noticed that it's proudly proclaiming, the thing brought to you by Chevron Oil. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's just something I never pointed out before, but like, it was just a goofy little moment that I enjoyed. Um, rest of the movie is obviously still amazing. Um, and then the last thing that I rewatched was Good Night and Good Luck. Um, still don't have the Blu-ray of that for whatever reason, but I have the DVD and, um, that movie, I, I, I cannot get encapsulated in that world for 90 minutes. Like it is, it is stunning how well that film holds up 15 years later. Um, it's, it's Strathairn is just selling that entire movie with him playing Murrow and, I was more in tune to what Robert Downey Jr. and Patricia Clarkson were into in the movie. Like I always liked them in it, but I, I felt, I felt the impact of their relationship throughout that film in a way that I hadn't felt all the times I'd watch it. Because when you're watching the film, obviously the goal is watching uh, Murrow take down McCarthy, but their Joe and Shirley Worshba's side story is, is pretty wonderful to watch. And it's, Obviously, it's a glimpse of what Downey's going to do down the line when he gets into his Marvel phase. But, like, you can just watch him be fully engaged with Patricia Clarkson. Like, you believe that's a couple that you would see in real life. Like, it is a, it's a fantastic watch. Uh, and Ray Wise as uh, um, uh, the newsman who kills himself uh, is, it's one of the most heartbreaking performances I'll ever see in a movie is just watching Ray Wise just look downtrodden because Ed O'Brien uh, is giving is is calling him a pinko. Like it's it's just a wonderful film, um, and I think that uh, it's a film that I would love to see get a um, a specialty label treatment because I think it is. Clooney's obviously been a hit or miss director. I still. I like all of the films, even though obviously there's some I like more than others. Um, Superbicon being probably the least end of the bar, but. This is a film that kind of like supersedes that. It's like one that I would like to see get a criterion treatment at some point because it is interesting how it encapsulates you into that moment in time before taking you right back to the reality of what television still has become. Regard the morning at the end of the movie is still eternally relevant. So, but yeah, that's all I watched this week. <laughs> all right. Cool. <laughs> Just, what did I fail? What did I do? They're so <laughs> random and so goddamn loud. <laughs> um, I'm going to have to watch that one day, Zach, because it's not only a journalism movie, but it has David Strathair in it. Yeah, no, that movie is awesome if you haven't it's seen great. it, Corinne. Yeah, it's really good. I need to watch good. it. And it's only 90 minutes, so it's like it, it, it's amazing how well it moved at 90 minutes. So. Yep. 
I feel like it had been on Netflix for a while. I'll have to look into that. I'll, I'll shoot you the DVD next time I see you. Uh, I, I only watched a few things this week. Uh, just kidding. Buckle up, Bonehead. You're going for a ride. Um, I watched uh, Valentine, which is an old, like, 2000 <laughs> plot. <laughs> an old slasher film from the 2000s starring David Boreanaz from Angel yeah. fame. Um, and it's not good. Um, <laughs> like, I, I like my slasher films, you know, to be kind of menacing, like the bad guy who's killing people should be unstoppable. And in this one, he has a runny nose that bleeds every time he kills someone. Um, the, the most interesting thing is, is on the shout factory or scream factory, uh, Blu-ray is the behind the scenes are kind of fun because everyone had a really fun time making the film and the original killer, I forget who it was supposed to be, but they flew in David Boreanaz and he did all his work in two weeks in between filming angel. And yeah. uh, it, it, so that was kind of fascinating. I mean, it's not a bad movie, but it's not, it's not violent enough to be a slasher movie. So it kind of lets me down there. I can't um, remember, Ryan, do you like urban legend? The yeah. Yeah. That one's fun. I, okay. Yeah. I, um, I, I don't like Valentine, but for yeah, as a, as a, like a scream knockoff, it's not bad. Yeah. Um, I, so I have a new shift and I work 5 PM to 3 AM. And when it gets about 2 AM, you start getting a little punch drunk and there's literally because of this, um, lockdown, there's really no one in town. You don't see a car for like two hours. And, um, so I go on Amazon because why not? And, uh, I just typed in, um, Carol Lombard, who is a great screwball comedian and um, I stumbled across this movie called Nothing Sacred, which is a Kino Lorber film. It's actually the second time they've released it. Uh, they've released it early, and then they released it again with a new scan, a new 2K scan. It's from uh, 1932, and it's a color film, which is kind of shocking. I mean, there's not too many from back then. And mm-hmm. this film, it's really relevant now, and I think that's maybe why they re-released it. In it, uh, Frederick March plays a newspaper guy who uh, goes to this dinner and there's a guy there who says he's like a sultan of some country. And uh, Hattie, what's the lady who is in Gone with the Wind? Uh, Hattie McDaniel. McDaniel, thank you. Scarlet. Uh, She has an uncredited cameo in this where uh, she comes in and it's really funny. She has two kids with her. And she said, that guy's not the sultan. That's my husband. And it's, uh, so he was lying about being a sultan. So Frederick mm-hmm. March has to find a new story or he's going to lose his job. And they find out that there's this lady um, in a small town from Connecticut who's dying of uh, some disease I can't remember. And so they want to take her to New York and show her, you know, hey, have a good time. And everyone's proud of how brave you are. Well, you find out, really early on in the film that she doesn't have this disease anymore. It was a misdiagnose. And so she's still going to New York because she wants to take advantage of this trip because she wants to leave her simple life in Connecticut. And it's, it's a movie about exploiting somebody um, through, through news and sensationalism. And it's a, it's really fascinating now because a a lot of uh, cable TV, not necessarily newspapers, but cable news is not about reporting news. It's about sensationalism. And, um, and that's, this movie really reminded me of sometimes things haven't gone that far. And, uh, Carol Lombard's amazing in it. If you've never seen her in a film, she is one of the funniest, uh, comedians you'll ever see. Um, yep. she just has a, she has a way 
and a presence about her on camera that you don't want the camera to leave her. Cause you know, back then you have some of the actresses that are really great. Um, and, but she's, what I like about her is she's willing to make an ass of herself. That's why I like Catherine Hepburn a lot too. Is she's very willing to be the butt of a joke. And Carol Lombard is beautiful and is funny and doesn't mind being the butt end of a joke. And I think that's why she's so great. Um, he, has so, a, he has a humility that I don't think other actresses did. Oh yeah. And um, you know, she died really young in 1942. Right. Wow. I hit the wrong one Brad, again. Brad, she died in a plane crash. How dare you? Um, <laughs> <laughs> God damn it! Right, that's pretty good. He died in a plane crash. A plane crash in Nevada um, uh, when coming home from a war bond tour, and it was before her uh, final film, "To Be or Not to Be," was released. So, which she, she raised two million dollars for. So. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, and I mean, I aside from my love, the other actor in that movie, you should watch to be or not to be to get a sense of like how good she was even up till the very end. Like she just never stopped being great. She went yeah, out on top. She's awesome. Um, and so because Kelly and I are always stuck at home, I always try to find movies that I really love that might be inappropriate for him to watch, but whatever. Um, so uh, this week we watched uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Yeah. And uh, he loved that movie because <laughs> There's so much energy in the movie. It's yeah. so silly. Um, every scene is different. And uh, but watching the movie again, you know, I st- I still laugh about uh, the vegan superpowers, and um, it's just so ridiculous. Uh, the movie's great. <laughs> yeah, and you lose your powers by going vegan. <laughs> it's a, uh, and I don't know if uh, you guys have this problem, but sometimes I will get Blu-rays and I forget to watch them and i have about like not seeing i haven't seen the film i just get the blu-ray and i forget to watch it i don't Um, i don't necessarily forget to watch them it's just that sometimes they're the bfg and i just have to own it but that doesn't mean i have to watch it so go fuck yourself (laughs) so uh in that vein um I, i i will start a new um i have like three article series going on right now but i'm gonna start another one i don't know if i'm gonna call it the quarantine something or the safer at home uh deep dive so i organized all the movies that i have bought that i haven't watched on blu-ray and i'm going to review the blu-rays and the first one i chose was 2006 house of wax which is a another slasher film that is infamous for killing paris hilton in the film yeah um and the film is actually not too bad i think it's about 20 minutes too long um but like the effect at the end where the ha- actual house of wax is melting is pretty great. Yeah. Um, the gore in it is pretty great. Um, but yeah, it's, it's like a, it, it's way better than Valentine and you know, it's fun. Characters make dumb mistakes, but there's also some really gruesome parts. Um, uh, the, God, why can't I think of Jack Bauer's daughter's name? Kim Bauer. Nope. That's the uh, one. No, it is Kim. Right. Uh, Alicia yeah. Cuthbert. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Uh, she sticks her finger through the grate and the bad guy like cuts her finger off with a pair of pliers. Um, so there's some pretty gruesome things in it, uh, but it's almost two hours long. And I think slasher films going more than an hour and 35 minutes is really stretching credibility. Uh, but you know, it works. It's, it's shot really well. It's really moody. Um, the special effects are really good in it. 
I appreciate uh, that it does something different with that idea. <laughs> yeah, and you know, actually, the and the uh, the special features aren't that bad on it. In it, uh, the Blu-ray, uh, the picture is horrible. Um, you can tell it's a really early Blu-ray, but um, but you know, there's there's a worse way to spend two hours. You know, you yeah. could watch Creature or something. Um, I watched uh, <laughs> Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey. Now, I'm not going to call it by uh, the real name it is because it just be Harley Quinn. Um, and I still love, that's my favorite movie of the year. Uh, I love it because I love that Harley's not a reliable narrator. I love how colorful it is. Uh, I think the fights in it are really dope. And, uh, you know, when you watch the special features and you hear Margot Robbie talk about how she actually fought on roller skates and stuff, I think that makes it even more cool. Um, so that was a fun film. It looks great in 4K, by the way. Um, I watched a few Kate uh, Blanchett movies. Uh, I rewatched Cinderella in 4K, which you can pick up so at Best good. Buy for nine dollars. By and the way, and you should. Yeah, um, she is amazing in that movie. Uh, she, I love kind of evil Kate Blanchett. She doesn't really play a villain that often, um, but that movie is better than I think a remake of a cartoon deserves to be. Because mm-hmm. uh, I, I think having Kenneth Branagh as the director added a lot of weight to the film. Um, it's shot beautifully, and in in 4K, I mean, it's stunning this film is stunning yeah um and who doesn't love lily james and uh but yeah kate blanchett's amazing in this movie she's so mean and then she has uh this monologue with cinderella when she's up in like the attic and she tells her about where she's come from and it yeah it's brilliant um kate blanchett is a national treasure from australia (laughs) and the last two things (laughs) Uh, I watched is uh, I I got back into the Lord of the Rings. um, And when you watch those films, you were like, I I haven't seen them in a couple years, but I I put in, you know, the fellowship. And as soon as it starts and she starts a narration, but she's a great narrator, but you know, you're immediately transformed into that world again. And the music, the characters, I, I love everything about that movie. you know, and you hear the theme, and it gets me excited again. And uh, even though her part is really small in the film, she has such an important part. And it, just watching those movies again, it, they're movies that I love so much. And being able to enjoy them again is is pretty fun. And, you know, uh, Kellen watched them with me. And he likes them because, you know, there's orcs and goblins and stuff, what he says. And so he gets really excited because it reminds him of Minecraft. And so it's fun. <laughs> Um, yeah. uh, oh man! But what I love about it, you know, they're three-hour-long movies, and they don't feel three hours long to me. Um, no. You know, uh, just just the theme music alone gets yeah, it's just so fun, and it's just re- really fun exploring those films again. So I have uh, Return of the King left for that. Did you cool. do the extended editions on them? Oh uh, yeah, that. Why would I watch any other version of it? <laughs> I, I like watching the two different uh, versions and just kind of watching how that theatrical version is a nice tight. Just hitting yeah, it. Beyond. I would have to buy the theatrical version, so I only have the extended ones. I still have them on iTunes. That's why I, oh. I can do it. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's what I watched this week. Cool. Yes. <laughs> um. This week on Real Nerds, we went back to 1994 in a time of spies and deceit. And my beautiful wife just walked by. Oh, hi. And 
and uh he's off to meet bill paxton right now oh yeah uh he's great in that film uh so we saw true lies this week uh except Karen, you said you weren't able to get it no no i was not okay um james <laughs> james should people see true lies yeah of course i mean like come on yeah <laughs> I, I think it might it it's probably the I, mean, I don't know if I'm forgetting something before I say this. It's probably the best James Cameron movie. And like, fuck all the rest of you. Like, um, not you guys, but I mean, people who think that like <laughs> Titanic or Aliens is great. Barf. Um, yeah, no, I think it's. I, probably, I like uh, Aliens, Titanic. I can do. Oh, that. okay. I guess I am forgetting about T two. Um, but but yeah, this is more fun than T two. But yeah, yeah, Henry, no, no, everyone should see it. Henry, this is your idea. Should people watch True Lies? Yeah, I've never seen this film before this. Really? Yeah. I mean, why, why did you recommend it? No, well, here's the thing. Like, after last week, I had not seen Last Action Hero. I had not seen this film. I had not seen TMNT. I had not seen all this different stuff. Mm. So I was like, let's keep this ball rolling. Let's hit more of these blind spots I have. So I thought, let's do this film. This film I've been meaning to watch forever. And so, and yeah, it's great. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it's, uh, I've, I, Unfortunately, I've not seen much of Arnold Schwarzenegger's filmography, and uh, it's probably the most fun that I've seen so far of his stuff. Uh, it kind of interesting how how ever evolving the film is, and how free, how it keeps changing throughout the film. And I really enjoy that part of it. But yeah, I really enjoy. It. I highly recommend it. Nice, Zach. Should people next see? up the real nerds are going to watch Jingle All the Way. <laughs> Oh, we got to get Turbo Man. Zach, should people see True Lies? Put that cookie down. Um, uh, yeah, absolutely, you should. Um, I found this film uh, this the year Avatar came out. I went on a James Cameron binge, and out of all the ones I rewatched, I mean, I still have an appreciation for Titanic for for different reasons than yeah. liking the movie per se. But um, True Lies, I found on uh, DVD at Second Spin. I watched it, and I was just impressed. Like, holy shit, like, James Cameron can do, like, fun, intimate movies about people being people? That's interesting. I had no idea that he was capable of that. And this movie kind of proves that he can kind of delve into, like, albeit they're spies, but, like, there's a marital dilemma in this movie. There's uh, the question of, like, oh my God, like, is my, is my wife satisfied with our relationship right now? Um, and I think that Arnold's on his, I mean, we were talking about how he's on his A game in last week. Oh movie. my gosh, Brad. I mean, Zach, I just asked if people see the movie. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well I, I, that's all to say that I'm, I'm extremely fascinated by like how solid this movie is in comparison to all of Cameron's oeuvre, which is why it's my favorite. Um, and the fact that it has not gotten a Blu-ray release is still a fucking travesty. So yeah, you should check it out if you can find it on HBO. Brad? Uh, yeah, I don't know if I have ever seen this movie. I, I think I really? might have. Um, oh. But it, my memory of it could just be my memory of the bits of the trailer that um, we've all seen. So I, I did not, I was not able to rewatch it prior to this episode. Mm. Uh, because it is so exclusive apparently um to watch it online you have to have hbo so and yeah there's no 
Blu-ray of it and the DVD is hard to find. So I, I don't know. I'm going to listen to you guys. I feel like it's kind of a, like, you know, uh, a, a black sheep of James Cameron stuff, right? Cause like, I don't know how many times T2 has been re-released with a different weird Blu-ray cover where the front is kind of embossed out to look like there's a robot coming at you. Like there's been six versions of that Blu-ray and the fact that you can't get a really good version of, of true lies is crazy you know i think it's because he owns control over true lies and abyss because people have been asking for those two films of his on blu-ray and he's he keeps on saying that he's mastered them in 4k now but he hasn't released them yeah i did some research in 2018 he said i i we've done a transfer i just haven't had time to review it yet you know why he hasn't had time to review it yet because he's making sequels to movies i could give two shits about but uh, yeah, this great. everybody should see True Lies. Yes, um, it's continuing Arnold's like great performances back to back from Last Action Hero to True Lies, um, and here is the trailer for True Lies. How'd it go at the convention, honey? You were the big hit of the show. It's fantastic. It's, I love the computer business. For 15 years, Harry Tasker's been leading a double life. Mr. President, one of our best men is inside. Transmitting now. Right on time. I don't believe I've met you before. Rehnquist. Harry Rehnquist. Listen to the following code word. Helen. H-E-L-E-N. Now, they're about to collide. What's your exit strategy? I'm gonna walk right out of the front gate. May I see your invitation, please? Sure. Here's my invitation. Oh, yeah, that worked good. Right out the old front gate. Give me back a second. What's the Tasker's office? Hi, it's Helen. Is he in? How is he in a sales meeting, Mrs. Tasker? It's not like he's saving the world or anything. I see this is the problem with terrorists. They're really inconsiderate when it comes to people's schedules. Could you press the button for the top floor, please? Hi, Helen. Harry forgot something back at the office. Whenever I can't sleep, I just ask him to tell me about his day. Six seconds and I'm out. Maybe it's just that you're not in touch with your feminist side. Harry! Uh-oh. What were you doing here? Wouldn't you believe me if I told you? You know what this is. It's a snow cone maker. From James Cameron, director of Aliens and T2. Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's a Soviet MIRF-6 from an SS-22N launch vehicle. I married Rambo. Jamie Lee Curtis. Have you ever killed anyone? Yeah, but they were all bad. True lies. What can I say? I'm a spy. Um, so yeah, he uh, his wife is played by the amazing Jamie Lee Curtis, who oh, yeah. who should uh, who's the MVP of this film, I think. Yeah, totally. Um, but Schwarzenegger's great in it because he acts as you know the super spy and has everything under control. And when he finds out that maybe his wife is having an affair, he kind of loses it. And what's yeah. great about this film too is it starts off as you know like a spy thriller. But he's hiding this from his wife, and it's kind of funny. 
And then it goes into this marital problems and uh, Bill Paxton is amazing in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I appreciate how it starts off as Brian said in that spy thing and then just kind of start delving into a marital drama and then kicks back into a spy movie near the last quarter of the movie. Um, and it, I, I like how it's allowed to breathe and like, it's one of those movies where you get to, I think really sit Arnold as the character he's playing. Cause like it's two hours and 20 minutes, we should say there's a lot of action. Uh, it's okay. Yeah. But there's also a lot of down moments with Arnold and Tom Arnold just hanging out and talking about what it's like to be in a relationship. And I'm like, this is, this is an Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like first saw it, I'm like, this is an Arnold Schwarzenegger. Movie? Okay, cool. And, and, Everybody's on their A game. I don't think there's a weak link in the movie no. whatsoever. Um, and, like, and the special effects hold up really well. I streamed it on oh, HBO. Yeah. Oh, totally. And yeah. it's uh, it's in high def. It might be in 4K on HBO, but it looks really great. It got an Oscar nomination for visual effects back in '94, and it makes total sense. Like that finale is fantastic. Yeah, it's it, it's great. Um, yeah. Henry, it's your first time watching the film. Uh, take us through your journey. So my journey with it, it was interesting because I really also didn't really know the plot going into it. Uh, I confused this film with Natural Born Killers and then also, uh, <laughs> there's another one I was confusing it with too. But, oh, uh, what's the other Arnold, big Arnold film? End of Days. Commando? No, the big Arnold film I confused us with? Uh, 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 Commando. Maybe. Uh, pred- predator. I have no idea what the plot of this film is. And so uh, I started program. watching it. And it's interesting, like I said, how it evolves. Where it's like, I'll, I'd be like, oh, cool. We're wrapping it up. And then it's like, you still have an hour left of this film. I'm like, oh, <laughs> my God. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I mean, like, I'd always heard uh, you guys talk about, talk about her in the film and like how Jimmy the Curse is the standout in the film. And for the first half of it, I'm like, she she's good in this, but is she good? <laughs> the second half is like the best I've seen from her, uh, like in her entire career, probably. Whoa, uh, whoa, whoa! Yes, well, you know, I, 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 the scene where she's being interrogated, she is so good in that scene. Oh yeah, um, where she's, um, you know, they ask if well, uh, Arnold's great in this moment too because he asks if you still love your husband. And she, her reaction and her saying that she does and how it, you know, just guts Schwarzenegger is so good because he realizes that he crossed the line. And yeah. it, it's... Well, it's also like, there's like that scene earlier when he's talking to Tom Arnold and Tom Arnold at first is like, yeah, welcome to the club. My wife should tell me too. But then he does get serious for a moment. And yeah. says, it's the job. Like, it's like, it was going to happen eventually. And it, was, yeah. and it really is like, it, like, this isn't her fault and it's not your fault either. It's the, it's the, it's the situation. Mm-hmm. It was a very real way of approaching, which I really appreciate. So, and it makes Arnold film an everyman in a way that I don't think uh, Arnold films that attempt to do that always succeed at. I think he's allowed to be like, he's, yes, he's a spy, but when he's not in spy mode, like he's he's, I believe him as that goofy dad that he has to pretend to be. Like he, we are able to kind of see him kind of downplay. Like it's up to him. It's not. It's weird. It doesn't feel like the stakes are as high as, say, a commando. Like, it just feels different. And I think a large part of that is because we're allowed to sit with him longer than 
Commando, obviously, because Commando's got different priorities, which is which are great. Um, and yeah, the 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 roster on this film still boggles me. Is this Tom Arnold's best movie? Oh yeah, I mean, is there even a yeah. doubt? I mean, is there? Is, do you look look below your shoe, and that's the bar you're setting? And like, dude, Grant Heslove, who went on to produce one of the movies I watched this week, is is playing the third banana in the movie, and he's great too. Like everybody, man, like it it blew me away. I. God damn it! James Cameron needs to stop making blue cat movies and rewatch that transfer so I can get the Blu-ray, please. I love yeah. that. I love that you. It wasn't that you wanted him to go make more movies like True Lies. It was that you just wanted him to put out a re-release, <laughs> like a, of a, of one of his good movies. I know <laughs> what his priorities are, and I don't care anymore at this point. Yeah. Yeah, I know uh, the the film's great. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I, I love the, you know, even the tr- truth serum uh, bit where <laughs> she says, if you killed people, he says, yeah, but they were all bad. <laughs> and, uh, and then he tells the dude who injected him how he's going to kill him. And it's great. And then I'm probably going to throw that knife over there. <laughs> it's great. Are we going to die? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're going to torture us to death or we'll blow up on the uh, island. Oh, and Charlton Heston's. Just the eye patch ridden director of their intelligence agency, because why not? It's oh, no, I think I think that's a yeah. nod to Nick Fury. Yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> I mean, you also already said it, uh, Ryan, but I don't want people to not think about this. Bill Paxtonism is the best part of this film in my mind. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he steals every single scene. He, the whole scene when they're going for the test drive is yes. my favorite scene in this entire film. <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> or when he gets you know captured by Schwarzenegger and Tom Arnold, and they're holding him over that dam, and yeah. he's like, "Leave me alone! My dick is small. It's fucking pathetic. <laughs> it's so funny. And if I ever saw a gun, I'd probably piss myself." <laughs> oh, I good stuff. Love Tom Arnold shooting him, shooting near, him, going like, "Get lost, dipshit!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Oh, he's great. I wish he was still around. That sucks. Yeah. Oh man. I, I know when you think about it. Yeah, he's he died so young. Uh, I I have to imagine he would have been in an Avatar sequel, and I would have hoped he would have been able to be a hero for once in a Cameron movie because he's right. never a hero in a Cameron movie. Yep, but it's game over, man. Yeah. <laughs> or searching for blue diamonds. <laughs> oh yeah. See, he's not a bad guy in Titanic. No, but. <laughs> But he's he not, dragged that old lady out of retirement. In there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Dies on that boat at the end, guys. Swear. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, old lady. I know you don't have a lot of time, but I need you to spend three weeks telling me this story in great detail. <laughs> you know what I remember about Titanic? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> ah, I saw it once in theaters in 1997. I have oh, not seen it since. You should watch it again. It's like, it's a, it's a, no god! <laughs> no god! Please no! 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 Yeah, I'll just let Michael Scott take that for me. Uh, <laughs> the invisible um, man, Gloria Stewart, is wonderful in that movie. Yeah, if you if you could cut out all of the like super saccharine romance shit that doesn't really matter, like 
Yeah, you, you'd you'd have a really good disaster film. It's like it's like if Roland Emmerich made a movie about a boat that wasn't hey. twenty twelve. <laughs> or or well, Midway's not about a boat, but it's got boats in it. Oh, plane. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah plane. 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 Yeah, you know, Titanic. It's like Midway, <laughs> the Mandy Moore movie. Titanic, you know. Godzilla, same thing. <laughs> That'd be sweet if, like, someone rewrote Titanic uh, with Godzilla, like rising out of the water, and he yes. picks up Titanic and just breaks it in half. That's the movie. That's how Billy Zane redeems his character by fighting Godzilla at the end. Dude, yo, Billy Zane should turn into Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So uh, next week on Real Nerds Podcast, we are doing Film Explosion, nineteen ninety. Yeah. I guess it's a film explosion Brad's been li- looking forward to. Um, so send us your lists for your favorite films of 1990. What if halfway through Titanic, Billy Zane dresses up like the Phantom and then gets real big, like the Indian from from Super Friends? Right? It just gets huge, like like Apache Chief. <laughs> yeah, he just gets to be like 12 stories tall, and then he just punches the Titanic in half, and that's the yes. Movie. This movie I want to see. Yeah, uh, I think yeah. we just broke Titanic, guys. <laughs> as long as you still get that shot of like the one dude falling, and then he like hits that beam and flips, and you're like, ah, like, Titanic that's... Two: The Rising. <laughs> I really want to see Sorry. like Godzilla break Titanic in two, and then take one half of Titanic and just shake all the people out of it and eat them. <laughs> Not the half with the band, though. Leave the band alone. That band yeah. on the boat did its job. They get nuclear breast. Yes. Uh, so before we get out of here, uh, you should check out Corinne has a new article on our website. It's her 10 favorite f- uh, scenes from animated films. Hmm. Western. No, uh, she didn't put any anime on it. And it's a good read. You should check it out. Nice. Ooh. Cool. I mean, she didn't include um, the scene from Pinocchio that I love. But, uh, you know, we all can't know what great animated films are. Sometimes you got to take the best stuff out of the list so that that way the rest of the list can actually like talk, you know? Yes. The monstro scene in Pinocchio is amazing. Where Pinocchio sacrifices himself to save his family. And then um, I cry every time because Pinocchio dies. And then he turns into a real boy. (laughs) I love the opening of that movie a lot. Like just in terms of like cinematically. Everything in Pinocchio is amazing. That opening... That opening, though, like, is just a wonderful opening to a Disney movie. Like, Pinocchio is the greatest great animated film ever. I said it. Who's going to fight until, me? Until Space Jam A New Legacy comes out. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That I'm going to watch this title. movie, Scoob. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to watch yeah, Scoob oh, or Scooby-Doo's Scoob. The Key to Hell. <laughs> and, see, and see, that might, might just knock it out. Uh, so thanks, boys, for doing a late night one. Thank you. Really late for you there, Henry. Yeah, it's almost 2 a.m. for me. So. Uh, what do you got to do? Uh, yeah, you're fine. You're yeah. Right. I mean, it's done. Fuck it. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck it. Uh, so, see you next week. Get those lists into us, as always. Uh, I believe we've all already seen them. Mo, roll the recording back. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. 
Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Drafthouse in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout-out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening, and have a nice day.